By the time you hear this podcast, you'll be able to fake your way to the top. Thirteen years of solid gold platters. Rising costs and cocktail chatter. Fat digits, <laughs> stereophonic sound. Oh, baby, the game of hits <laughs> goes around and around. But you can fake your way to the top, round and around. Try that part right there, baby. Round and around. Fake your way to the top. You can fake your way to the top. Welcome to By the Time You Hear This Podcast. I'm Greg. I'm Ben. And we are back with episode 143. Hey, hey, hey. Whatever that number is. Let's see. Um, oh, 143. <laughs> that means I love you. <laughs> I forgot about that. Oh, this is the okay. I love you episode. <laughs> oh, that's great. All right. All right. If you want to go with that um <laughs> so thank you to everyone who's listened so far thank you to everyone who's downloaded um and uh we do have some things on the way we have we have some some big things coming mm-hmm. ben doesn't even know about him yet oh okay that's what's up <laughs> uh do have some news if you're some quick news here mm-hmm. if you're looking on the twitch stream um we are fully urban and what i mean by fully urban is the Facebook URL is now, by the time you hear this, spelled with a letter U. <laughs> <laughs> we are fully urban. So the uh, the Instagram, the Facebook, the email, <clears throat> and in the future, the website will all be, by the time you hear this, with the letter U. Why? Because we're urban. Yes, we are fully urban. So um, the NAACP... Um, will not hesitate to nominate us for awards in the future. Oh, image awards. <laughs> um, so uh, you can see on the screen uh, the, the that those changes have been made. <laughs> and, of course, you can follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, Google Podcasts, Play.fm, TuneIn, um, and then look us up on Listen Notes. You, you look at look at the show notes. They Nothing much has changed. So... Um, and as you can see, I, I have to use the depressing fluorescent light because someone cut the cord on the lamp that I normally use. So yeah, 
now we have to deal with that. Uh, but let's get into some music news here. Um, ben, we'll, uh, we'll do that story that you were talking about. We'll do that second. Uh, a couple of things I wanted to bring up. Um, uh, any thoughts on, on DMX? Uh, I felt like a future episode. I wanted to do one, but hopefully we don't have to do it because DMX is no longer with us. Hopefully it's because um, he's made a full and speedy recovery. Yes. That uh, would be the hope. About the Rough Riders Chronicles. Yeah. I saw a couple of clips of that. Um, I hadn't I hadn't seen the whole thing, but it's definitely uh, an interesting story. But um, for those who aren't aware, DMX uh, overdosed um, over the weekend and <laughs> suffered a heart attack. And he is in, uh, he was in grave condition. And someone thought he was off life support, breathing on his own, but he is still on life support. Um, just have to give it time. I, I hope he does pull through. But yeah. uh, what what did you think of that news when it came out? I mean, I didn't know he was still using. I guess. So yeah, he had been in and out of rehab, from what I've seen. Yeah, so I mean, it's it's pretty tragic. I I mean, it sucks. I hope. I mean, I hope he's okay. Um, but I mean, this is kind of one of those, it, 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 you hate to see another rapper go down due to drugs. I mean, I guess on the bright side, at least he wasn't young this time and he had a full career and everything like that, but it still sucks to see, you know, we just, we're out here. We, we just got to do better people. We're out here killing ourselves for what, you know? So, yeah. Um, he's one of those artists that like, mm-hmm. it's. I don't know if people will understand um, how big of a deal he uh, he was like he was a superstar. He was the there was the potential that he was the next. As far as what he could do, the next Tupac, as far as having the 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 music and being the action movie star. and for different reasons, we don't we didn't see a lot from either of those guys. Yeah. Um, but I hope he does pull through. Um, you know, he's such a he's a major part for people our age. He's a he was a major part of our our childhood, especially going into high school. Yeah. So <laughs> um, I, I think that's that interesting was, you bring that up though, because yeah. I don't think people nowadays because. I mean, what, we're almost 20 years out of high school now. Yeah. <laughs> this is so long ago, I don't think people realize how big of a deal DMX was back then. He's not just the guy who did X going to give it to you, which is yeah. like the funniest thing that or that's party the up, song. Which people still don't know the, the actual title. Yeah. Like, it's funny that those are the songs that have lived on. Um, but, like, he was huge. And, like, the I think it's very apt to say that, yeah, he was considered the next big thing, the the next legend. Yeah. In line, had he kind of kept up that consistency and and then with Party Up and with X going to give it to you, you know, he showed that he kind of had that commercial appeal. You don't hear Party Up as much, but I mean, like I, Deadpool used X going to give it to you like in the <laughs> beginning of the movie. It's become one of those songs that like it just has a life of its own. It's white famous now. So it's just like yeah. <laughs> like the whole I don't know. It's just you thought that would be Party Up. <laughs> You really but, did, but it's but X no. gonna give it to you. Like it's, I don't know, but people people love that song, man. And then in black movies, it's uh, Rough Riders anthem. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, 
But everybody should know at least the hook to Rough Riders Anthem. Yeah. Like it's one of the most iconic hooks oh, yeah. ever made. Um and like I said with the uh, the Rough Riders Chronicles documentary, um that was like the making of that song was I don't know if that was Swiss Beats only shot, but it was one of the few he was ever gonna get. <laughs> so funny enough, I, I still remember. So you, we talk about high school. That song and the um, down bottom were yeah. like my two jams. And I remember like just one random Saturday evening, as I do sometimes, just playing music. And I played that song, and I was like, "What the hell is this? Like, what is down bottom?" <laughs> she's like, "This is like, this is a nasty song." I'm like, "No, it's not. It's talking about uh, the your, one your that guns. that I remember the most <laughs> is um, uh, slipping." And, oh, that's a good one too. Uh, what these bitches want. That was a good one. Because Cisco was big Cisco at the was time. On the hook, yeah. <laughs> so um there is there is a Yeah, I forgot about slipping. Uh DMX is a is a part of us as far as, you know, as far as us um coming of age. So uh it would definitely we don't want to lose him now. No. Not like this. So yeah. Um Next thing I want to talk about is, um, well, this came up in, I, I don't know if there's a documentary or I feel like there was, or there should have been already. Um, if anybody remembers, uh, the name Quindon Tarver, uh, if, or if you've seen the, uh, Boz Lerman, um, Romeo and Juliet with Leonardo DiCaprio and Claire Danes, Quindon Tarver was on the soundtrack and he sang, um, uh, he did a cover of When Doves Cry. I'm looking at him now. I've never heard of him before. Uh, this It was when he was like, I don't know, 12, 13 when oh, he okay. did the song. Um, From Plano. That's what's up. Uh, and he might have had a, he might have been considered to be either part of Immature or B2K. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some out, there were some allegations of, well, Chris Stokes doing stuff. Um, and I don't know if that kind of railroaded Quindon's career going forward. Um, cause it seemed like he was, it was like a, it was a Tevin Campbell type of trajectory, mm, okay. um, if you will. But he, uh, he passed away in a car accident, uh, recently. Mm. And, um, I don't know. I don't know if we'll ever know like what really happened or if there was some kind of, um, any kind of information on, on uh, on him or what it it kind of leads into what we could talk about at a, at a future topic as far as like child stars you know not only with someone like him dealing with a manager who may or may not have done questionable things mm-hmm. and I know I've made a lot of jokes about it on this podcast with Chris Stokes but uh but also consider you know where I said that uh Disney is doing science experiments on those kids <laughs> making them in <laughs> um Nickelodeon not so much maybe one or two but you know some have gotten some got some have gotten out on that I mean well maybe just one Ariana Grande got out <laughs> <laughs> she made it her and Miranda Cosgrove although Miranda yeah. every now and then seems like she gets drugged back so who knows yeah um, so, uh, something to go for rest in peace, Quentin Tarver. Um, another thing I wanted to bring up, I don't know if you've seen it. I watched it before you got here, mm-hmm. but the, um, the, 
Lil Nas X video. That I haven't seen it yet. I barely heard the people song. People <laughs> have been. Um, it's called Montero, which is actually his first name. What? Uh, that's his name? <laughs> that's his first name. <laughs> um, he, he he is from College Park, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, West Georgia alum, Lil Nas X. I think he only went for a semester. But <laughs> um, the uh, the the video has gotten a lot of uh, publicity because he gives the devil a lap dance, and um, a lot of people were talking about my kids are going to see this, and I, I feel like that's weird when people say that as far as if they're parents because can't you like. Don't you have some control over what your children see? No, that is not my job. That is <laughs> your job. The TV. <laughs> and the iPad. <laughs> uh, so he had that kind of that kind of response. And some people were like, Are you, the kids like paid attention when Old Town Road came out. Like, um, Probably shouldn't have. That's not a kid's song. Nah. It's really not. Mm-mm. I mean, it may have like mostly clean lyrics, but... Do kids know what lean is? Sadly, some probably do. Do they know what cheated on my baby means? You can go and ask her. <laughs> it's not exactly a kid's song. It just no. has clean lyrics. Yeah. And, and a catchy little hook. And a catchy about yeah. riding your horse to the country road. It's The song is not about riding a horse. Yeah. <laughs> well, not in the same context. <laughs> um. So yeah, he's um uh and but I I think the the main thing that a lot of people had some trouble with the imagery of of him with the with the devil giving the devil a lap dance and then killing the devil and then putting on the horns um spoiler so, alert. Yeah, yeah, spoiler. <laughs> alert. It's like the last 30 seconds of the video. The the uproar is about the th- last 30 seconds of the video. But the thing is, I think people try to make Lil Nas X a kitty rapper, mm-hmm. um, like Crisscross or something. Oh God, that's the name I haven't heard in a long time. <laughs> and, or, or Bow Wow, like early Bow Wow when he was Lil. He still when he was when he was Lil Bow Wow. <laughs> Had that long ass hair. <laughs> uh, oh man, he's not that, and they actually weren't that either. Like. They were kids, but their music really wasn't for wasn't kids. Kiddies, yeah. They had that one song, Jump, and then the rest of the album was just not that. Yeah. They 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 had songs about uh, a kid getting killed for his Jordans. Yeah. Um, Jermaine Dupri was writing those raps back then. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't much older than them, but. No, he was not. You you would think he was like 10 or 15 years older. He was what, maybe five. Five. At the five most. older. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, you know, but I, I think there there. OK, there are no popular kitty kid rappers who are like squeaky clean with their image and their lyrics and the, the content of those lyrics. I'm trying to think that's not ever a had thing that before. Like, I mean, the closest is Will Smith, but he still yeah. talks about going out to party. Yeah, that's the closest. I'm really trying hard to think here. Like, but he rappers. he he rapped about weird things like um, stealing your parents' car, and yeah. but you you picked up an underage girl. I mean, yeah, maybe... he, he he didn't do anything with the underage girl, but you can <laughs> see the kind of trouble he might get into. <laughs> maybe your your Christian rappers, maybe. I mean, 
But I mean, it's just, if you're not Christian, then you have an issue with the, you know. But like as I far mean, as just what, like, like rapping like about, Lecrae? I don't know. I yeah, but Lecrae still will work with the the secular rappers. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know how much. I mean, I I feel like they may like the 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 Christian music community has the same response to him as they did to Kirk Franklin. I remember <laughs> Kirk Franklin was like so taboo. Oh yeah. <laughs> He when he started, when he started coming up with R. Kelly and Bono, Ugh. I mean, even the song <laughs> "Stomp" with with the salt pe- from, from oh, yeah. Salt and Pepper. He just had one of was, them. <laughs> yeah, just had one of them. But still, it was it was it was controversial. Well, yeah, and it's funny too because in the opening of the song, he addresses it <laughs> for those who say <laughs> we've gone too far. <laughs> just <laughs> like he says it, he knows. <laughs> it's like. It's like Eminem. I know if, I'm going to say everything you're going to say about me. But, yeah, no, it's it's funny to see this happening. Um, <laughs> he's 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 basically doing to popular music right now what metal, what hair metal did to it in the 80s, which is just scaring middle America <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for, for something that means absolutely nothing. You know, it's just like they put on their leather and everything and. And uh, and songs, songs that were a little edgy. And now that's all. That's what he's doing. He's just he's just scaring middle America. And it's funny to see. Um, And just like they did, he's he's selling records because of it. Uh, Yeah. From what I found, and we're going to get to the charts in just a second. uh, Montero is going to be the number one song next week. Yeah, he's he's so he's writing this all the way to the bank. So for people like, oh, he's just a one hit wonder. This is like his third hit. Yeah, he's he's if not his fourth. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, he he's gonna be around. Uh, <laughs> you just don't want him to be around. Yeah. <laughs> but and the more you talk about his, it's funny too, because he's fully taking advantage of social media. Yeah, like I I don't think we've seen an and artist... he doesn't do. A whole lot on no. social media, not not like like where it's like all promotion or anything. He lets us do the promoting for him. Yeah, <laughs> we made Old Town Road big with the Yeehaw Challenge. Yeah, and now we're making Montero say my name big because everyone's so upset about it. So what is that doing? Of course, people are going to go to watch. They're going to watch it. It's working, <laughs> you know. Like with the with the collaboration with I can't remember the because it's just letters. I think it's Mischief M S C H F. If that's who I think it is, I think they do like random drops of like stuff, mm-hmm. not necessarily clothes all the time, but it could be like a lot of different things and or or different games or different. It's things like on your different. It's an app. Okay. It's a company. It's an app, but they may have like magazines or uh, different, uh, very exclusive. If you don't have the app, you'll never hear about it kind mm, of drops. OK, so. He did come out with that. They were partnering with him for the the Nike Air Maxes with the drop of blood. Ooh, I don't ooh. think it's a drop of blood in there. I really this is don't. a. I'm telling you, this is equivalent to take our album and play it backwards, and you'll hear. Yeah, satanic I don't messages. think it's blood in there. It's just <laughs> red food coloring, or what's it like the corn syrup, probably, and and with with like salt or, or something. The way that fake blood is made for movies. That's what was put in those shoes. Next okay? thing, he's going to be biting the head off of a bat. Come on, guys. We've seen this act before. <laughs> we've seen this act before. Is he going to peel the Alamo? Like, we've seen this act before. He's taking the, I mean, he's not saying that he's, who knows, maybe he's not doing it purposefully, but he is taking pages out of the books 
of these controversial artists whose records just sold purely based off of controversy. <laughs> and it's great. <laughs> it's funny. Someone said that on, on my on my Facebook page. I'm not gonna say his name. Um, but he old coworker of mine, he was like, uh, Lil Nas X has done more for um for sat- for like satanic whatever than like metal has in the last twenty years. <laughs> it's just like you know, <laughs> For thirty seconds. It took just thirty yeah. seconds of the video. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. So yeah, um make your money, man. <laughs> I, I I do I find it all funny. Um the, the outrage and uh that you you no that means the parents aren't listening to the lyrics or they hear like one thing. Um like I, I posted on Facebook, y'all equated Old Town Road with Baby Shark. Yeah. And it shows. <laughs> These are the people who don't look at the rating on Deadpool and let their kids go see it and then get mad. <laughs> Just like, because it's animated doesn't mean it's for children. It's like, why is Deadpool so violent? I don't know. Maybe because it's rated R. I don't know. And then what it, that kind of reminds me of, like, I saw the trailer for Space Jam 2. <laughs> if you want to come over and watch it, I got HBO Max, bro. We don't... <laughs> what's so, what I found, like, so, what's kind of dumb about the whole thing is he got, there's going to be, you're going to see, like, Iron Giant. Yeah, they went and I'm got like, like every, these kids don't yeah. know anything about Iron no, Giant. They don't. They don't. They're it's almost like they're catering, like sort of to kids because let's be real, who knows about Bugs Bunny? Yeah, they don't even know about Bugs Bunny or like, Daffy Let's just Duck. be real. Like, if you were gonna make a movie for fans of the original Space Jam, um, make it dirtier. I don't know. Like, you can't like. Don't say that this is marketed towards kids who have no clue who any of these characters are. I'm 36. I didn't even see the Iron Giant movie, <laughs> but I know it came out of like what? It came out in the 90s, right? Yeah, it came out like at least 25, maybe 25 years ago. Like he, I feel like he could have been a character in the original Space Jam. <laughs> He's so old. Um, so I, uh, there was this. Um, I'm not. I, I won't be able. 1999. To... Okay. It's a 22 year old movie. <laughs> These kids don't know about the Iron Giant. <laughs> but oh, uh man. what I um I saw someone post on Twitter, LeBron can't even do Space Jam without assembling a super team. Michael Jordan won that shit with Bill Murray and Newman from Seinfeld. Bill Murray. And it, because like <laughs> someone's like making a list like Superman, Gandalf, <laughs> King Kong, Iron Giant. Oh god. Oh, got it. Bill Murray threw a nice assist behind the back, if I remember correctly, <laughs> and said that he had bad knees or something. Yeah, he, he, he was retiring, undefeated and untied. <laughs> and Wayne Knight, Newman, hello, Newman, Newman um, shows up and gets blown up like a balloon. <laughs> this movie was wacky. Oh, God. It's classic. I don't think this is going to be anything like that, and... I just I don't I don't get it. Like I can't think of new cartoons. Well, the way used. the trailer looked is like okay, it's not well, it's not his real son. Oh god, but no. it's a it's someone playing his son. It's like dad, you never let me do what I want to do. Like oh, he wants him to be like a superstar like him. That's not gonna happen. <laughs> it's not gonna happen in real life. I don't know how yeah. good Bronny is gonna be. But I've heard some people say he's good, but then some people say he's just big for his age, and that's why he's good. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Um, but it's like, Dad, you, you never let me do what I want to do. You just don't understand. Like, oh, he's a he's a father who doesn't understand his son because he's still playing in the NBA <laughs> right now. 
trying to win championships and and working hard and sitting in the hyperbaric chamber. Yep. Um, drinking wine. Missing uh, out on the on the the kindergarten graduation, <laughs> the middle school graduation. <laughs> I'll be there for the high school one, though. To, okay, Dad. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, was, I was looking to see. I was like, that's not Bronny. Like, that's, <laughs> but, I mean, those weren't his real kids or wife in, in the first one either. So no, maybe they're just like, I don't want my kids to be exposed to this life. I don't know. Back then, that made sense. Now we know who your son is. And we know who <laughs> your wife is. We've, we see them every Taco Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> Just say it's a little bit different. I would have put him in there. Get him a check. Um, I'm not gonna say if the movie's gonna be good or not, but so I uh, just I'm happy I don't have to pay for it. Hmm. It's gonna be on there for free. Thank you <laughs> HBO Max and Warner Brothers. I'll be watching it. All right, so uh, let's get to the charts here. Um, the number one song this week said Montero will be number one next week. Number one this week is debuting at number one, Peaches, by Justin Bieber, featuring Daniel Caesar and Giveon. I don't like this song. Don't, you don't like it? I don't care for this song, no. I, I listen to it. I, I don't care for it either. Yeah. Uh, I, it, I, I feel like it was written like, a lot of the rap songs that have come out, I think people are just brainstorming in the studio for a hook. Mm-hmm. And just write a song around And it. write a song around that hook. Yeah. The hook is mostly nonsense. Exactly. And that's exactly how it's nonsensical. <laughs> and stuff. that's what Peaches sounds like. Some nonsense. Like a lot of, yeah, I think a lot of these songs, which is funny because as I approach my writing, are free writing. Like you essentially, you come up with the melody, you free write the lyrics. And it reminds me of a podcast I listened to in which I learned something about Max Martin I did not know about him. He, melody first, lyrics second, syllables. Hmm. So that's why some of his songs, especially his early ones, you know, a language barrier, of course, this one don't make sense because he's like, it doesn't matter what you're saying. It matters how you're saying it. So when you have like, you are my fire. And if you hear the original version, it uh, it doesn't flow as well because of the syllables. I'm not even kidding. I'm not. He approaches it like that. And I think kind of like how, you know, we used to say, like, everyone just saw Michael Jordan shooting mid range jumpers and and. um and dunking and didn't see the defense, didn't see the passing. Yeah. I think everyone just heard like, oh yeah, the syllables. Like <laughs> lyrics, ah sure. peaches. Let's just sing about some peaches. <laughs> like, I feel like that's what's going on. <laughs> like these songs don't a lot of these songs don't make sense. It's hilarious. So yeah. Yeah, that reminds me of the um uh, I was trying to find it. I don't think they have that exactly. But apparently it's like it's a Swedish exact, thing though. Uh clip, but um with Eddie Izzard talking about uh, people singing the national anthem. <laughs> it's like 80% how you look, 10% how you sound, and 10% what you actually say. <laughs> so you do the national anthem, you just, just a lot of hand movements, like big hand movements, just like <laughs> confirm and deny every line. <laughs> So yeah, I I I I could see that, but it it's a nonsensical song. But I think, well, I would say were people hungry for Justin Bieber because he just came out with, um, well, he's been a lot lately though. Yeah, so I don't know. 
maybe it's Giveon. I know I know he a lot of he's he's gathering a lot of oh, uh, okay. a lot of fandom. Uh number two is Up by Cardi B. Number three, Leave the Door Open, Silk Sonic, Bruno Mars and Anderson Pack. Um I don't know when that album's coming. Me either. Um uh, soon I hope. <laughs> the uh the live version they they uh they released as a single. Okay. The from the Grammys. Number four, Driver's License by Olivia Rodrigo. Number five, Save Your Tears by The Weeknd. Um, sounds like a generic 80s soundtrack song. <laughs> I haven't heard it yet. Yeah. I, I uh, Number six, Blinding Lights by The Weeknd. Number seven, Levitating by Dua Lipa featuring the baby. Number eight, What's Next by Drake. Number nine, What You Know About Love by Pop Smoke. And... Um, I believe that song sampled uh, "Differences" by Genuine. Oh, that's a that's a throwback. Yeah, uh, and number ten, "Mood" by Twenty Four K Golden, featuring Ian Dior. Uh, that reminds me, I have been trying to update um, my. I have my own Spotify playlist, simply called "A Billion." These are songs with a billion streams. Okay. Uh, Mood is closing <laughs> in on a billion. What? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it had uh, a big run over this over like last year in the summer and stuff. So yeah, okay, okay. So um, look out for that. It'll probably be in the next couple days. The way that is being streamed. Um, the Billboard 200. These are the top ten albums. Number one, debuting at number one, Justice by Justin Bieber. This is what it took to knock him off. Yeah. Wow. And uh, debuting at number two, Kim Trails Over the Country Club by Lana Del Rey. A Canadian and a sad chick. Okay. <laughs> all right. But standing strong at number three, <laughs> Dangerous, the double album. They tried to cancel them. <laughs> by the redeemable question mark, Morgan Wallen. You're going to get Morgan Wallen albums and Dr. Seuss books in your stockings this year, kids. <laughs> He's an American hero. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, number four, uh, Shoot for the Stars, Aim for the Moon by Pop Smoke. Number five, Future Nostalgia by Dua Lipa. Number six, Pooh Shiesty, uh, Shiesty Season by Pooh Shiesty. Number seven, After Hours by The Weeknd. Number eight, My Turn by Lil Baby. Number nine, The Voice by Lil Dirk. And number 10, What You See Is What You Get. By the nicest man in country, <laughs> Luke Combs. All right, and we'll look at the artist 100. Number one, he's got the number one song, the number one album, and he's the number one artist this week, Justin Bieber. Uh, I didn't even recognize him in that picture. No, nah, he just looked, he looked like some generic uh, TikTok celebrity. Um, number uh, two, she has the number two album, Lana Del Rey. Uh, she was unranked last week. <laughs> I'm glad she's. Uh, I'm glad she's still kicking. You know, I'm glad she's still, and she's stuck to her roots. I'll uh, give her okay. that. Yeah, sure. whatever. Her sad roots. <laughs> they needed a new Nancy Sinatra. She'll never do the Super Bowl. She'll no. never. <laughs> now I thought like the weekend couldn't pull it off because he had no up tempo songs. Lana Del Rey definitely oh, has the left of songs. <laughs> It'd be the saddest Super Bowl ever. 
Now that's another person. If if she has a danceable song, her career is probably over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, they basically took "Summertime Sadness" and put a beat behind it because they knew oh, it was yeah, they too had to depressing. That. Yeah, like, <laughs> the saddest thing ever. Uh, number three, he was number one last week. The weekend. Number four, BTS. Number five, Drake. Number six, Billie Eilish. Number seven, Dua Lipa. Number eight, the redeemable question mark, Morgan Wallen. Number nine, Luke Combs. And number 10, Lil Baby. Um, so for the first time in a while, I think uh, Pop Smoke is not in the top 10. Not Pop Smoke or Juice World in the top 10. Hmm. Um, even though Pop Smoke is... His music is uh, still being streamed a lot. Yeah. It's being bought or however however they calculate it. I've heard much more about him in his death than when he was alive. I had no yeah. clue who he was. So. Yeah. Um, so um, the story that uh, you you brought up before the before we started recording about uh writing credits songwriting credits yes What's going so on with that? <clears throat> and i guess it's kind of fitting because we're talking about her today a little bit but i know i've talked about before in the past how beyonce's uh former manager matthew knowles who was her father one of the things he had done for her was to get her writing credits on basically in you know most of the songs that she does if not all even though she doesn't write and this is a this is a pretty popular practice practice amongst um some of the bigger artists. Um, so some of the I know it's the case with uh, like Rihanna. All yeah, has writing credits on all her songs. Yeah, and I believe Justin Bieber does. Yep, Pink, Shawn Mendes, who I think that one's a little bit trickier because it's I think it's fairly just known that he writes. Selena Gomez, same thing. Dua Lipa, Ariana, Ariana Grande. Grande. Yeah. yeah. So some of the writers who have written some you know some hits for some of these artists have come together and they've signed uh, a letter demanding that these artists stop getting credit for songs they did not write. Hmm. Um, and I mean, I think what we're starting to see now, and I kind of feel like, and I'm going to do some more research on this, but I kind of feel like maybe we have Taylor Swift a little bit to thank for this. Um, she had the big crusade to get songwriters a bigger piece of the pie for streaming. That was her big thing. And that was one of the reasons why she was only on Apple music and would not go to Spotify. She wanted the writers to get credits. So because of her, now we can you can look at the the credits and see who wrote the song. And the writers are getting a bigger piece of the pie. Now they're calling for artists to stop asking for credit on songs they did not write, which is a pretty common practice. I'm curious to see if it continues. Um, the letter that they have written is called The Pact. And there's an Instagram post that talks about how does an artist make money, live touring, TV performances, VIP meet and greets, merch, and everything like that. And then it talks about publishing. <clears throat> so if you are a writer, it's funny because I've been looking into a lot of this. Publishing is really your your live and die. Like I mean, you'll get your you know your royalties. Another world I learned about was sync, um, sync royalties. But you got mechanical royalties, which is um, when it gets performed, you've got your regular like streaming royalties and stuff like that, but you don't get to do all of the things that like, you know, Rihanna does. Like if you're Max Martin, 
granted, I know that's kind of a bad example to use because he's like he's really good at this. But like you're not living off of endorsements and things like that. You're just living off of the money you make from royalties. And I think <clears throat> they're just basically saying, hey, you guys are getting all of this. We're but then we're being and then you're asking for publishing as well. You're asking for a piece of that pie. Oh, yeah. So this is it's a just to make sure I have this right. It's a separate thing. Publishing? As far as like you get the credit as a songwriter and then the the royalties from that. So it depends on the deal that you got worked out with your publisher. Because it's very rare that it's very rare that you own the song that you write. Like you go with the publisher, they own the rights to it and they set um, a certain percentage of because your publishing company gets part of your royalties and then you get part of them as well. And that's kind of technically just how it's done in terms of why I'd have to go into it and, and look at some more stuff. But the standard deal is typically you write the song, you get it under a publishing company. The publishing company handles a lot of the, the admin stuff, the back end stuff for you, gets the song out there, gets it placed. And then they take a fee and they take part of the royalties and you don't really own the song anymore. But you're still getting you've negotiated a contract. So you're still going to get money. Um, so when, um, uh, well, this is, I have two separate questions. <laughs> so, um, in this case, like what, what a lot of the songwriters are coming out about is that there are their percentages lower than what they should be, but yes. it would be higher if the person who was the, like if Beyonce wasn't credited <laughs> as a songwriter, yeah. <laughs> they would get a little bit because you're getting money. fewer points now on a record. So the dream when he they did an interview with him on Genius. Genius did this series where they're interviewing these writers, and he talked about he's like the first song I ever wrote went through it changed hands so many times, but that by the time it actually got released, my the amount of points I had on that song were like minuscule because now you know. And it, you know, it's not just me that's a writer. You've got like four or five other people that have written on it or have done revisions. Or nine. Yeah. If it's Beyonce. Exactly. Um, So just think about that. You got a Beyonce song. You've got nine writers on that song, Beyonce being one of them. Um, The contract maybe that she got could maybe give her a higher percentage of points than she should be getting. Maybe you're hurting, like, you know, Beyonce and and Sean Carter, Jay Z, excuse me, are damn near, you know, billionaires essentially. And you've got this writer who, while they have a lot of money, they don't nearly have the amount of money and or everything else that comes along with being Beyonce. I've just got my publishing. And now you're asking them to give up points on a song, percentages of of their royalties, just so that you can A, make more money and B, say that you're a writer when everyone and their mama know you're not writing. And it's interesting that you brought this story up because... Um, it applies to the making of the film that we're going to be talking about. Yes, which is why I thought it was very interesting. So, um, yeah. Yeah, so it's just it's just kind of one of those things where, and so, well, and when we get there, I'll, we'll talk about that. That's why it kind of, you can kind of see where, like, the songwriter doesn't always have a say in who records it, when it gets recorded, if it even gets recorded, you know, once... Once you publish it because of of those greedy record companies. <laughs> but I mean, like, yeah, I, I, I'd i be furious, but I would encourage people, you know, 
one of the things people talk about, you know, when they're like, oh, I, you know, I support the artist by going out and, and buying their merch. This is why you have to support the artist by, at the very least, stream the song. Yeah. <laughs> because if you're going out and buying a T-shirt with 360 deals, the record company is getting it. Because some they people say get, that like. They might get. Might get all three cents. They're like, oh, I buy three tickets and go. That shirt. Yeah, three. They figured that out, people. House always wins. They figured out how to get it. <laughs> three sixty deals. They've made sure that if you buy a shirt and a ticket, they're getting a piece of it. So if you really truly want to support the artists that you love, yeah, you can go to their shows, but buy a record, stream a record, you know, do something. Don't just don't just pirate it. Um, yes, that's the reason. Um, granted, nowadays. It's a lot and easier. Stream it to, in multiple ways. Like yeah. you can stream it if you got Spotify, Apple Music. Go stream YouTube. the video on YouTube. Yeah, they get they yeah. get credit for that. The uh, credit for that too. I mean, it may take like, I think if you get a million streams, they might make thirty cents. On the <laughs> <laughs> it's tough uh, out there though, man. It's tough. There's so much music, you know. Yeah, you know that you would have to. That's why I feel like. Man, there should be a focus on, or why there why there is, but there should probably be more of a focus on making multiple great songs that yeah. people want to listen to. I mean, I know you can only do you're only putting out one single at a time or anything mm-hmm. like that, or the focus is on the single. But if um, if you focused on making more songs that are as good as that single, yeah. You know, then the the album, the the concept of the album won't be discouraged. Well, I'm almost willing to bet, and I don't have the research to back this up, but this is what I feel like I've observed. The cost for a single is higher because the market has moved and gravitated towards the single being the thing. I think you're never going to get an album like Thriller or even or even sexy back or future sex love sounds anymore because the focus is on the single and like the cost, the barrier of entry for those songs to fill your album with that amount of, of, of hits. I think it's just too expensive. I think it's just one of those things where it's just like either it's too expensive or the writers are like, no, I want to spread it. I'm, I'm good. I want to, sp- we want to spread this out to make as much money as we can. Because if you think about it, if you're Justin Bieber, you've got an album, 12 songs, and they're all singles, um, or they're all single-worthy, you're not going to release all of them as singles. So if I'm a writer, I'm not happy about that because I want my song to be Peaches. I want it to be Drive. I want it to be a song that's going to top the charts. And if I'm hey, the 12th hey, song, hey, not, hey, that's not guaranteed. Hey, write better. I'm just saying, though, <laughs> but I'm just, but like it could be one of those songs. It could be good enough, but it'll never see the light of day because – it's um oh god what's the name of that song overdose by sierra good enough to be a single never got released (laughs) if i wrote that song i am livid because i know that song is a hit but you didn't release it and that happens sometimes or you've got that song that gets sold to that artist that you're like yeah this ain't going nowhere like (laughs) you're like this song is gonna be you sold this to christina debarge it's not going anywhere (laughs) and some of you out there are like Who's Christina DeBarge? Look exactly. her up. She's got a couple of songs that could have been bangers if Rihanna did them. Yeah. <laughs> if Selena Gomez did them. If Katy Perry did them. But it was Christina DeBarge. 
I don't even know if she's related to the DeBarges. I, yes, she is. Oh, she is? They couldn't help her? <laughs> um, I guess kids don't know who they are. <laughs> no. It's like Elder Barge. I, I had a joke there, but Chico de Barge. Who who are they? who are they? I think I think she's Elder Barge's daughter. If not, then yeah. Uh, but she is part of that family. Otherwise, she would have just been Christina. She would have been Christina <laughs> Barge. They're like, you got to throw that name in there. We gotta, that's an extra ten thousand records. <laughs> just on that, that many. Oh man. Um so um yeah, it's definitely something to keep an eye on um as far as the like well the writers trying to get rights or yeah. you know whatever that may entail. Yeah. All right, so we're that'll do for our music news. Uh Ben, tell us about your earworm of the week. This is that new hotness. Um not further. This is um Every now and then I go check out the pop country charts on Spotify and they were heavily promoting this artist. She is from Alabama. I think she's up in Nashville now. Her name is Tierra. Um, she is a black country artist. Now, I'm not one of those persons. I'm not Issa Rae. I don't just vote for everyone who's black. But this is fascinating to me um, because they're not. I think there's only one black country singer in the Country Music Hall of Fame. I believe that's Charlie Pride. Charlie, yep. Um, and then within the Darius past, Rucker's not been inducted yet. Yeah, I in guess. the past twenty years, in terms of superstars, it's Darius Rucker. You know, you've got some yeah. people who are knocking on the door, especially nowadays. You've got some more people. Wait, coming Kane out. Brown? Kane Brown is Kane Brown black? I what, thought what he was he? black. I don't know what he is. He's like Clay Thompson. I don't know what he is. <laughs> I mean, he might be. He's got black features. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I thought he was just a white dude. I I thought he was black. We'll have to ask somebody that knows. I don't know. Right, we're going to look it up right yeah. now. <laughs> but <laughs> like in terms of, you know, big superstars and like your Brad Paisley's and I feel like I'm aging myself, though, but like Brad Paisley's and, and Keith Urban's and stuff like that. Um, you know, you don't have a lot of black country stars that get big like that. I know last time I hung out, shout out to Chris, he was showing me there's you know, a couple of black dudes making some some noise. Um, I don't know how popular she's going to get. I still feel like she's kind of still underground because, you know, some unless you're like Dane and Shay, you kind of get frowned upon if you're pop country because you're just like, that's, you know, it's not country. You know, they're weird. They're weird. Um, but this is her latest song called Girl, um, Not That Girl. It's a really cool song. I think she's a staff writer on this um, this writer company called Songs and Daughters um, writing or whatever. Shout out to them, too. They got some great writers. Um, I follow her on Instagram. She's awesome. I check her out. It's not going to sound like country. I'm going to warn y'all right now. She's got a bit of a country twang, a little bit, and there's a little bit of steel guitars, but this is not what you would think is country. So just don't say I didn't warn you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is Not Your Girl by Tierra. And uh, well, it's playing. Let's see if it will. Well, we're just gonna play it, so we'll be right back. If you want that picture perfect version of the same old thing, then I'll make it for the drinking. I'll be on my way. I'm not your girl. You must have me mistaken for someone. I ain't gonna switch it up for you. Looking for you, there's plenty. 
is Not Your Girl by Tierra. And you can find that on our BTT YHT Earworms playlist right now. All right. So, um, it, it, sounds, it sounds country to me, but maybe the, I have a distorted... Yeah view of what country music actually is i mean i will say that is the more country of her songs i heard um because as i was thinking i was like i just kind of lied because um, <laughs> it's got it, yeah she has her twang a little bit more but yeah most of her stuff like is just very it's just like pop rock music like she would have fit in very well in the 90s um you know they're like oh she's like a uh, Sean Colden or something, you know, she would have been on Lilith Fair. Okay. <laughs> Someone, out, um, if you don't know who Sean Colvin is, go look her up. She has a Grammy. <laughs> she has what is considered one of the greatest songs of all time uh, for winning that uh, song of the year Grammy for what it's actually a very dark song. Um, if you just read yeah. the lyrics, pretty dark. It's about a woman <clears throat> who comes home from a mental institution and burns down her house. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. I used to just play, <laughs> and then you like listen, and like in the bridge, like, oh yeah, she burns the house down. Okay, all right, yeah. Okay, Sonny. <laughs> She's not so Sunny. <laughs> so we started the this particular episode with uh, the song Fake Your Way to the Top, um, sung by an artist named James Thunder Early. I almost said I was Ben Thunder Watts, but I... <laughs> I'm glad you did not. <laughs> oh man, oh man, what a movie, what a musical. So we are talking about the film Dream Girls. Uh this was supposed to be we're supposed to do this last week to close out uh Women's History Month. We had to reschedule a couple of times. We had a guest, you had to cancel. Um but we were going to do this anyway to close Here. out Women's History Month, even though it's already <laughs> April, but that's okay. I will say this. Um, April is Autistic Autism Awareness okay. Month. We will not be talking about Sia's film, Music. Sia has a film called Music? Yeah. I didn't know that. It's about an autistic girl, uh, but it's the, uh, what's her name, Maddie Ziegler, mm -hmm. the one who's in all her videos. Yeah, from Dance yeah. Moms. Yeah. I don't watch that she, show, people. I don't she plays the main character. It's a girl with autism and how music works. I think Leslie Odom Jr. is in it, but it's gotten a lot of criticism because um, doesn't handle it. Not it doesn't handle it okay. in a, in a in a yeah yeah they they did not uh, handle it in a nice way. Um, I feel like I have to say I don't watch Dance Moms, 
Uh, my wife loves that show though. I don't watch it though. This that's this kind of creepy to me. I don't really like it. Okay. But you did know enough to know that the when they bring in boys, they get the dance routines faster. Yeah, because she she told me that you know I do live with her. I mean, it's, like, <laughs> it's only my wife, okay? <laughs> Jesus, it's got eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes, bro. What were they doing? Eight percent. Eight percent. Well, like I, I think there was one. Um, were yeah, we're probably gonna talk about this in music news, but in either way, uh, there was a um, a section. Um, no, 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 no. It was during the, um, like when people were hearing about the film and what it was about, because I think it got a couple of golden globe nominations or maybe just one, but there was, um, there were people who are, who are autistic or who know autistic actors who could have participated in the film because Mm -hmm. it, it apparently took years to make or something. And, some people were on Twitter were hitting her up like, you could have hired autistic actors. It's not like they, they can't act, but they would be able to um, handle the, the, the material. And, and, you know, and I think they've been able to, to hand, I, I think this could have been handled better. And then she fired back with like, well, maybe you just can't act or something like that. <laughs> it was like that. Or she, um, she's like, uh, I had support from autism speaks and apparently autism speaks, that organization is uh, questionable at best. Okay. Oh boy. <laughs> questionable at oh, best. Boy. <laughs> uh, basically, they it, it, some people believe like they're one of those uh, organizations where like autism can be cured with like uh, with prayer or oh, something. Oh god. <laughs> like it's they're 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 considered uh, quite bizarre. So, um, so yeah, um, there, there is, there's basically just, um, just bad all around with the film. Mm. Um, just because you're an artist does not mean you can create just any art. I think that's what we all should learn from that. Agreed. So this film, Dream Girls, uh, came out in 2006, uh, based on the musical, the Broadway musical from 1980. 81, 82, I think. Um, the uh, original Broadway musical, I know it had uh, Cheryl Lee Ralph mm-hmm. and Loretta Devine and Cleavant Derricks. Have you seen the original? Uh, well, I wasn't alive. Oh, well, you know, sometimes they'll film the play, you know. I, I haven't seen the, I haven't, yeah. Well, I don't know if they even did. I'm just, I, maybe I'm not like, sure they did either. Oh, okay. Maybe they did, or well, the clip I saw was from the Tony Award performance, okay. so it wasn't it wasn't the exact same. Uh, but this is where everybody, if you know, if you heard the name Jennifer Holiday, it came from this musical. Oh, I uh, she was actually nominated for Best New Artist, I think, just off the strength of being <laughs> Dream Girls. I don't even know if she even like. I don't know. See, I don't know if she came out with an album at that at that point to even be considered, but. At, at the time, I think the Grammys would be like, whoever's doing something and has an album and people are buying it, they can be considered for Best New Artist. Because I think, like, Robin Williams was not made for Best New Artist as a comedian. <laughs> so, um, and Bob Newhart won Best New Artist, I believe. Another comedian. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, 
But this film, it had been in development. Mm -hmm. You know, they wanted to make a movie out of it when the musical became a hit in the 80s. Uh, It had been in development for over 20 years. And a lot of people were were considered for it. Um, You know, you had to get Dina. The role of Dina had to be uh, a big big pop star, I guess. You know, uh, Whitney Houston was considered for it. But she also wanted to, uh, to play Dina, but she also wanted to sing Effie's parts too. And they're like, we, "That's you that's not how that works." Both. <laughs> that's having your cake and eating it too. You can't do it. Uh, I think Janet Jackson was considered. Um, uh, I don't know if that would have worked. Um, uh, I feel like Mariah Carey might have been considered. Um, Grace Jones, maybe. I, I'm. I don't, I don't know if that was a fit. Um, but even with the other parts, uh, Jamie Foxx turned down the part of Curtis. Yeah. Uh, it was offered to Denzel Washington, but he's like, I can't sing. Yeah, that's. I can't imagine. <laughs> you have to get a singer uh, in at that point. It was offered to Will Smith. I don't think he could sing no, either. He could rap his parts, though. <laughs> but you know who would have made a great Curtis and it would have been a totally different movie? Terrence Howard. <laughs> so he was approached, apparently. He was. He and was. I, and he does sing. Oh, for real? Yeah, we've seen Empire. No, I don't watch Empire. Oh. Yeah. He sings in Empire? Yeah. Okay. Maybe I'll watch it then. Um, I will pay to see him sing. <laughs> but he he also has, like, an album, like, as Terrence Howard, an album album. Really? Okay. I would pay to see that. I, I'm going to check that out. But I like him. He would have been a perfect Curtis. <laughs> well, I just imagine. But Jamie Foxx, not to say that Jamie Foxx didn't do a good job. Yeah. I'm just. I mean, maybe I, I'm just because I'm thinking now him in Empire is essentially Curtis. Yeah. Yeah. Is that based off of is that his character based off of Curtis? Well, not not exactly Curtis, but it's a combination of like he's he's if Barry Gordy was also Jay-Z. Gotcha. Okay. I can see that. I can see that. So in my he's a big record executive, show. but also one of the biggest artists in the world. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Hmm. So, yeah. Um, so, it had been in development for years. Uh, I think also for the part of CC, um, they approached Usher. Yeah, Usher was their first Omarion. If Omarion had done this, it would have been awful. <laughs> he can't act. <laughs> he can't act. At least, at least Usher's a decent actor. He, Omarion can, we've seen him try. He can't act. It's been awful. I don't know who else was approached to play, to play uh, Jimmy Early other than Eddie Murphy. Because I think he turned it down. And then once <laughs> Beyonce and Jamie Foxx came on board, then he took the part. Or it was something like that to where like, okay, now you got these people. Like, yeah. no one wanted to commit until, Until they the other committed, <laughs> who all gonna be there? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, so uh, it was directed by Bill Condon, uh, who you may know from uh, if you've seen Chicago with Renee Zellweger, Catherine yeah, Jones. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen uh, parts of once it. Once that became a hit, um, and I think uh, another person who was approached to direct was Spike Lee, and he was gonna have somebody as that would have been weird somebody as dina i i don't know if it was like janet jackson or something um but yeah that would have been a a, a totally different movie who who get who gets the who gets the uh who gets the the floating dolly shot 
maybe Dina when she realizes that um, Curtis has ba- when he says like I chose you because your voice has no depth and then it flashes to her <laughs> as Cleopatra then that's her dolly shot when she's realizing yes. like her whole life has been a lie <laughs> yes if it's Spike Lee I like Spike Lee but sometimes he has that like uh I'm directing the hell out of this movie. Like he has that, like he just throws stuff in there that I'm just like, uh, like it works when he writes it. <laughs> yeah. But like, but those this, are the ones that are so hard to get made. Yeah. Are the ones that he writes. But in this, like when he brings it to another movie, it can get a little weird, you know, and it doesn't always fit. Like I still don't think his floating dolly shot of Denzel Washington and inside man fit. Like it no. felt out of it was place, like, and it was like it was sped up. Yeah, it just it felt weird. out of place. Yeah, the first time I saw it, I was like, what the hell is happening? <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> it just yeah. So, but that, I mean, it would have been funny. I don't think it's this big though. If if he does it, did you see this in theaters? What Dreamgirls? Uh-huh. Uh Yes. Okay, I did. And uh, of course, I have some notes. As do I. <laughs> um. I know it's I know it's a musical, and when you see the musical, or if you see it on stage, you have the same musicians and everyone. Everything has to be on point to make the show go along. Mm-hmm. It was, but that was also applied to this film, which, in if if I'm seeing it, trying to think of it realistically, mm-hmm. uh, it's a it can be a little bit weird. Yeah, like it makes. It, I, I thought of a couple of things. Like, I wish I could have seen one of these talent shows. Because the musicians are almost too good. How do they yes. just know everyone's songs? Yes. <laughs> they just know the songs. And they're so just they're so tight. Like no one's missing any notes. No. <laughs> and it's just like they're just going from song to song and it feels like they're playing them all too fast. <laughs> and I kinda wonder how many people were in this talent show? Because it's like they're just churning them out yeah. as far as like, okay, you're up next. Okay, yep, yeah. you now, now you. <laughs> uh, no, you guys are too late. Someone else already took your spot. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so, of course, it starts out with the with the talent show. Um, another thing that, that was weird, uh, Tiny, Joe Jix, Tiny Joe Dixon, clearly based off B.B. King, mm-hmm. uh, he just puts in his amp and starts playing. No mic. <laughs> no mic. No just starts mic. singing, and we can hear him somehow. Yeah. We can hear him. <laughs> Musical, um, yeah. <laughs> no microphone, just None. starts playing. Um, but yeah, uh, so not to say that's like a continuity error. I think that's just we're trying to put yeah. a musical in a film. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to, you know, so that's that's all that is. Um, Urkel was in this. That was yeah, I, Jaleel White, just for like a minute, but <laughs> he was there. Uh, Ralph Harris too. He was the MC. Yeah. The show. Um. So yeah, question. Go ahead. So, of course, you've got Beyonce, who is, you know, on her way to being, if not already, one of the biggest stars in the world, essentially, yes. in terms of music. And you've got Jennifer Hudson, who is this upstart. Right. Who was this supposed to be a star vehicle for? It was supposed to be for Beyonce. And Jennifer yeah. Hudson stole the show. The thing is with Jennifer Hudson, just like this Jennifer Holiday, I think that was one of her first roles. Mm-hmm. They wanted to get, we want a, the idea was to get, we want someone with a powerful voice. Uh, who hasn't done a lot of acting. Mm-hmm. We want someone, we want a new person for this role. Yeah. And 
Shirley Ralph had done a couple of TV shows, a couple of movies, but she had been on Broadway for a while, I believe. So we want someone a little more established, but probably a little more known, but not superstar yet. Yeah. But when you're bringing this to the big screen, you have to get, it works with if you have a big pop star. Yeah. So this was supposed to be. And that's what I thought. This was supposed yeah. to be her. But the thing is, Effie, the role of Effie is supposed to steal the show. Yeah. And from jump, <laughs> from the first <laughs> scene, she's just what I hear. There's not like she's just chewing up the scene. She's stealing it. Every scene she's in. Yeah. And they, they work with her a lot. Uh, Bill Conan asked for her to uh, show up late to set every day <laughs> to get into that diva mode. Yes. So it it was. I, <laughs> I always feel like did he just work with Jennifer Hudson and not with anyone else? <laughs> <laughs> uh, because she she clearly like you said from the beginning she yeah. stole the show. So I just I and there's some more notes I have about this a little bit later, but that's the thing that stood out the most is that you've got Jennifer Hudson who, you know, I guess it doesn't seem weird now, but she came to fame through a singing contest show. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it wasn't even like she had clout. She It's just like, who are you? Like, you didn't get discovered the way I did. You didn't go through Matthew Knowles' boot camp. <laughs> you just got on American Idol, sang from week to week, got voted off, but you were really good, and we put you in this movie. You know, well, yeah, I, and <laughs> it, it. I think that part it came down to her and Fantasia, which is even funnier because Fantasia can't read. So how is she gonna? <laughs> I saw that. I was like, she how's she gonna read the script? You tell her what the words are. <laughs> <laughs> that's the only thing you can do, and that's not you know that is not an insult to anyone that's illiterate. But that's a. I really had to wonder that, like, how is she gonna read the script? Like, you've got to learn lines. Unless she's just going to improvise the whole time. They're like, here's your motivation. And she just go. Or maybe they found that out during the process. I'm like, we can't. No, we can't work no. with this. Uh, the next the next note I had was, um, so when uh, Dina and Laurel come in and uh, Effie shows up at the last second, mm -hmm. the stepsisters performed first. That was, that was who performed that first. That was her name, the stepsisters? The, okay. Yeah, step with two Ps, but whatever. Um, <laughs> so when they're getting ready and they turn around to see the stepsisters wearing the exact same wigs <laughs> and then the, uh, and then they just like, you know, they kind of like scoff at each other and, yeah. and the stepsisters keep walking. Um, when, uh, Curtis wants to get the girls to sing with Jimmy, he asked the stepsisters first. Yeah, and they just and I'm like, and they were all walking to like, where have y'all been walking all this time? Because <laughs> y'all performed first. Y'all just been walking around backstage yeah. together this whole time? The I thought that time. was weird. <laughs> like, where have y'all been going? <laughs> where where are y'all going? Seeing the sights. <laughs> the green room, if there is one. Um. So the, the Dreamettes, they lose. They lose to Tiny Joe Dixon. Um, blues wins out. Yep. Uh, and they just drop the curtain. They just drop the curtain so fast, and it just goes <laughs> silent. And you're just like, oh shit, well, it's over. They go home. That's <laughs> what <laughs> like the curtain drop. Just yeah, that was yep, a very harsh. Yep, curtain he won. Drop. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> what about second? There's no second. <laughs> um, why do you think he yeah. paid them? 
Well, I guess because they would have gotten a showcase because he pays them to say, hey, make sure the Dreamettes don't win. Yeah. And I me- I guess maybe because, yeah, they would have actually stayed there and performed and not wanted to perform for Jimmy with yeah. Jimmy. So, okay, good point. I was thinking that, like, why? Like, what's your... Like, they would have gotten their own, their own contract showcase. or yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but they weren't going to win anyway. Yeah, he took his money. <laughs> <laughs> I thought like, he should have like hit him and took the money back. That's what I would have done. <laughs> Since you said he, he, I mean, as we find out later, he's a bad man. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so another note here, I think that this movie proved that if Eddie Murphy had better writers, he could have been more than just a one-hit wonder. Yeah. Not saying that "Party All the Time" was a bad song, but I think it was gimmicky. And I think maybe he just didn't. I mean, well, he. Well, I don't think it was like the better writers. Like, Party All the Time was written by Rick James. No, no, as in like for other like more singles. Like, well, I I think that that was the thing. Like, it was he he got a songwriter to mm-hmm. write something for him, but he wasn't being taken seriously as a singer. A singer. Fair he's being, he's looked at as a comedian. Like, you can equate that to. I may have mentioned this on the podcast before. When Donald Glover uh, was, he's making mixtapes as Childish Gambino, mm-hmm. and he's getting, uh, you know, record con- record companies are contacting him about about a deal, but they're seeing it as okay, we'll put out one single for you, mm-hmm. we'll put out maybe one album because they're just seeing him as a comedian. Yeah, but with who he he eventually signed with Glassnote. And the, well, he signed with them because when they approached them, they're like, well, this is what we see for your career as far as the music goes. Mm-hmm. We can we can put out your albums like this. You know, we work with these artists. It was mostly like indie rock artists and all that. Yeah. But they they came to him as like seeing like this is what we can do for your music. They career. shared his vision. Right. Eddie Murphy didn't get that. Mm. Fair enough. Because I, I, I always felt that, like, when I watched this movie, he's a better singer than I think people give him credit for. He's not, like, an amazing singer, but he's a good singer. And he seems to be a good performer. Like, he could he could perform well. I, I mean, like, Jimmy Early is base, is a combination of... But James Brown and James Brown, Marvin Gaye, I think. Marvin Gaye, Jackie Wilson, yeah. Wilson Pickett. We've, we saw, we've seen Eddie Murphy. We've seen the hot tub, James Brown hot tub party <laughs> sketch. Oh, this could be done. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. Um, the uh, uh, so they perform with we we started the show with "Fake Your Way for the, to the Top." That's when the the Dreamettes first perform with Jimmy. Great. Um, it's a and it's a great number the way in which, and I guess this because one of the things I don't like about musicals is how they start singing randomly. Yeah. But I don't mind it when there's a reason. This one starts out, of course, like, yeah, it goes into song and dance, but it starts out with him teaching them the song, and then it eventually goes into the stage performance, and I, and I love it when movies do that. That's one of my favorite well, things. if it, musicals about music Make can do that. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why I love, you it's know. It's not forced. The forced ones I have problems with because, you know, they're, they're forced. You're having a conversation, you just start singing. Like, no. High school musical? Yeah, that's not real. <laughs> but in here, it's like, he, I'm just wondering if he's going to teach us the songs. And he sits and down at the piano, the and he starts playing it, and it's just piano and vocals at first. And of course, Effie comes in and Effie's it up. Um, I can't take credit for that. Kendra came up with that. She comes in and Effie's it up. And it's just like, <laughs> 
But then it goes into the stage performance, and it's a great performance. It's a great song, and man, I, I, and that's what I love about this movie. And you're right, a musical about music can do that. Yeah. Um. Now, when uh, it gets to the part where the the Dreamettes go on tour with Jimmy as his as his uh, background singers, uh, this is I guess considered the Chitlin Circuit, even though. Yeah. Those venues look pretty nice. So, okay, so I'm glad you mentioned that because I think this movie, this is one of those movies where they make the artist that they're featuring initially seem bigger than they really are. Hmm. Like when, you know, he's talking about, I want to get him booked in Miami. He's too big for the Chitlin circuit. I'm like, he's on the Chitlin circuit? Like he's playing well, it's playing It's playing the theaters in those, in those towns. Like, you know, if it's, I mean, he'll play in Detroit yeah. and Chicago and New York and uh, Cleveland, Cincinnati. It, just, it was just surprising because I guess when I hear Chitlin Circuit, I think of like small clubs, you know? Yeah. And I was just like, I, I, I thought Jimmy was huge. Like, I thought he was, he was already there, you know? And it's been a while since I saw the movie. So when they said that, I was like, oh, God, he's not as, he's big, but he's. He's a local superstar. He's a local. Yeah, exactly. He's. He's T.I. when he came out with I'm Serious. <laughs> you know, he was still he still had to play places like West Georgia to pay his dues, you know? So it, that, that's just, that was just, I thought that was kind of interesting to see that. Um, so they, they go out on tour. Uh, Laurel is smitten with Jimmy to start off with, but then, you know, she knows he's married, but she just can't. And how old is he? is, is she? irresistible. She is, so, she is too she, young. She's supposed to be like 16, 17. Yeah, that's creepy, When man. it starts out, the girls are all mm-hmm. supposed to be like 16 or 17. Yeah, that, that's creepy. And Jimmy's like, it's going to take two weeks. Man, stop it. He's like, get your merry hands off of me. Like, <laughs> uh, he's supposed to be like in his early 20s. So Wow, he's that young in that movie? In that, part? I think that's how, he, how old he was supposed to be. Okay. Well, I guess because, you know, by the time he gets to his... Marvin Gaye phase, he's okay. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. That makes sense. Um so they they're they're out on tour and um they're in a bar and they're just hanging out and uh Cece officially meets Jimmy. As far as I think I think in this scene, like, okay, Cece has a song for Jimmy, mm-hmm. or Cece wants to write for Jimmy. Yeah. And Marty says that the song he wrote for the Dreamettes that that they performed in the talent show was boring, and it was not. But I mean, <laughs> um, <sighs> but I think at this point, Marty knew he was on his way out because Curtis came out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> he came out of nowhere to to Daisy steal his girl <laughs> to to give. <laughs> Mr. Still, you act like you just. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Curtis came out of nowhere to give to to bring in the the Dreamettes, and he had a vision for what Jimmy needs to be doing. Mm-hmm. He needs a song to cross over to the pop charts and all that. Um, so mm-hmm. we get Cadillac Car. Yeah, he was his um, the the character that Tom Hanks played essentially, like when the Wonders were local. Oh yeah, yeah. And then he's like, I've taken you all as far as I can take you. Mr. Jimmy is going to, you know, he's got you oh, in yeah. good hands. Like, that's what I felt like he was. He's got the vision. He's got the connections. and But it's if that guy, that guy who got him that Pittsburgh gig uh, didn't want to let him go. Yeah. 
and Curtis is Mr. White. Yes. <laughs> like it's really so to 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 kind of build on what you're saying here, the vision he had, he said you need a simple song with the hook. That's all you need. A simple song. And I think he had like he had that vision and I think sometimes he's he's as we kind of see maybe he held on to that too tightly. Yeah. To where he was just like blinded by it. He's like, I got a new sound, but it's so similar to your old sound. Like nothing really changed. Nothing really (laughs) changed, you know? And so, but like, I think like, you know, that first trick he had was so, you know, revolutionary. It, it, you know, it gets you to where you need to go. And then of course, you know, uh, pale of the musical, but we'll talk about that in a second. But, um, yeah, I mean, he had that, he had that, he knew that, like, no, you don't need all of this. You need something that just, like, people like cars. Sing about cars. <laughs> um, So, uh, get Cadillac car, and I just wrote, if this were the 80s, Cadillac uses this song in every commercial. Oh, yeah. Every single one. They probably use it now, to, like, to remind you. <laughs> <laughs> like, back when Cadillacs were classics. <laughs> um, So... That it becomes a um, uh, a black station, a, a hit. black station hit, yeah, mm-hmm. black station hit, and then suddenly it's on American Bandstand, and, but that I wrote that cover was a step beyond Pat Boone. Yeah, that was. Now I was like, okay, that is too far. I was like, that's Pat soft Boone even for the Beach far. Boys. Like that was that was so soft. It <laughs> like was Cottonelle. Like it was. Yeah, I was like, oh, that is. It's so gross. So this kind of talks also, about publishing. So what we were talking about earlier, when you have that song published, you don't always have a say so in who records it, unless you're like a Max Martin or a Diane Warren. Yeah. You don't have any say in who write and who records it. And and, and CC finds out like the hard way. <laughs> at the time, people were just doing covers of other people's songs willy yeah. nilly. We don't even know some in, in some cases we don't even know who the uh who the original artist was, and they mm-hmm. and they kind of brought it up like, who's the, who's the first artist saying Hound Dog? Elvis, Elvis Presley. Presley? Uh, no, 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 it was not. <laughs> and I know we did an episode on this a few years ago, in which we kind of talked about you know how Pat Boone and some of these other artists um, would I hate to say rip off, but I mean essentially would rip off these songs, yes, and make them more palatable off. for a white audience, with the exception really of the person who kept it the closest, Elvis Presley would keep it the closest to what it was because he actually liked the music. But for the most part, you had your Pat Boone's who were slowed it down, softened it up, took a lot of the rhythm out of it. And uh, this was, yeah, one of our uh, early, earliest episodes. Um, we, we, we haven't talked about the film, but I, I know I mentioned the scene in the film, uh, the Richard, the, the little Richard story mm-hmm. where he's singing, um, uh, Long Tall Sally, and Pat Boone's trying to do that song too, and he can't keep up. <laughs> and it's like, and they were telling Richard, "You're not going fast enough." So he sings it like as fast as he possibly can. And yes, Pat Boone just can't. He yeah. can't keep up. So, but like this, this Cadillac car was a, ugh. Yeah, it was, it was a step beyond Pat Boone. And I, I also wrote because of the the Payola episode we did, and we're going to get into that scene. Uh, Dick Clark produced that cover of <laughs> Cadillac Car. <laughs> 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 e- 
in in this world, Dick Clark produced that song. Alan Freed wouldn't have done that. No. Alan Freed would have Alan like, Freed would never. He would have been this is disgusting. <laughs> it's disgusting. What are you doing? What are you doing? Alan Freed was while not the most moral man, was a big fan of rock and roll and R and B music. He wouldn't have done that. He he would have he would have been the guy standing out to the side like this is disgusting. <laughs> you should be ashamed of yourself. I hope you all die. <laughs> um so uh CC is is upset. Like you said, he found out found yeah. out the hard way. Um so uh Curtis gets some some money together, I guess, by selling selling the cars they at sold cheaper the prices hell out of those to, cars, sell, man. to sell everything to make this music thing happen. And um and then he he gambles that money, or he's betting on fights. And mm-hmm. when he when he with the poker game, I'm like, man, if Martin Scorsese directed this, <laughs> Curtis would have died. <laughs> when he wins, he's immediately shot. That would have been the poker game would have been a bigger part of the movie <laughs> if it's Martin Scorsese. And there's probably like um, like some Rolling Stones in there or something. <laughs> so uh, now we're the part step into the bad side. Um, this is the first song they did where they just were talking and then they started singing. <laughs> and I'm just like, I just, uh, just like, um, but I did write this, the character Cece, the way he was portrayed in the film mm-hmm. ahead of his time. How so? He's writing the songs and doing the choreography. Hmm, good point. Good point. That is ahead of his time. Because when, like, when when they perform, when Jimmy performs the song on stage, mm-hmm. that and but leading up to that, you saw Cece doing, getting the dancers yeah. doing the choreography. Yeah. Um. So it's like, is he? I know his character was based on uh, Smokey Robinson. That's what I was gonna say I felt he was based off of Smokey. Um. And was he also like, uh, what's the? Ah, uh, the 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 tap dancer, but the Nicholas Brothers also. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. So he he's a combination of them. Um, but yeah, he. Uh, I felt like that's a character ahead of his time mm-hmm. to be that talented. <laughs> if you think about it. Um, yeah, this is when it turned into Pale of yeah. the Musical, because then you see that yeah. ugly side of, or you know, or as Alan Freed who tried to. Um, who tried to, I guess, show you the bright side? These artists would never be. I'm helping them. Like they wouldn't see the light of day if it weren't for me. And I'm just taking a small fee for my services. Whatever. I mean, it's basically. But he also. But he was he was the DJ and the record producer. Yeah, that's when that's it gets where, a little that's gray. Where the conflict comes in. That's where it's like, okay, you're pushing your own artist. <laughs> I mean, I will say that he does deserve respect for his willingness to play some of these artists that might not have been played elsewhere, but it stops there. <laughs> it kind of stops there. Um, and it's just, so I mean, like, yeah, literally, they they start going around, they got the ledger, which of course, like, it's like foreshadowing, like, yeah, yeah. that's gonna get you in the back. <laughs> it's gonna get you in the butt later. Um, and was this Mike, when they were singing the bass, was that a gun? Was this Mike a gun? It looked like a gun to me. No. It wasn't, it looked like no. a gun. <laughs> <laughs> that was not a good. Um, so uh, that becomes a hit, um, another hit, and uh, when um, Marty comes in and and do you think he was like salty or that he he saw the whole thing and he couldn't stop he couldn't stop Curtis but he mm-hmm. saw what he was doing but just couldn't stop him. 
I don't know if he was salty more so than maybe he was afraid of like, I, I think he saw the future and saw what maybe what Curtis was becoming. And the fact that like, I think like I care about Jimmy Curtis does not care about you. You were just, you were just a means to an end. And once he has no use for you, he will kick you to the side yeah. and not care. He will not care about you. I care about you. He doesn't care about you. As we see later in the movie, he does genuinely care. He comes off as that manager who, and I can't think of a manager who might be like that. I've heard that Colonel Tom Parker was like that towards Elvis where he really took care of him. But like he was that manager that's like, I am actually invested in your career. I'm not just here to further my career. I'm doing what I feel is best for you. And I mean, to his to his credit, or to Curtis's credit, Curtis did get Jimmy, you know, some stuff that maybe Marty would not have gotten him. Yeah. But I think, you know, so going forward to the the show in Miami, I don't think Curtis would have ever gotten that, gotten him that show because Jimmy can't behave. <laughs> yeah, As we funny, clearly like, saw. Getting to that, um, <laughs> first of all, that headshot of Jimmy next to Pat Boone. So cheesy. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. that was that yeah, yeah. but I don't um, want to but I don't want to skip my favorite song yes uh, which is I Love You I Do that's my favorite song the the Oscar nominated song there were oh, three was? there were three new songs put into the film oh that was a new one that was one of the new ones oh man I love that song yeah that's a great song I think I heard that song before I saw the movie <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I love there's just something about performance-based videos in warehouses. I just love them. <laughs> I just really do. I just think they're awesome. Uh, some of my favorite music videos are like that. They're just really cool. Um, but I love the the arrangement. This is a song I really that I actually really study. Like it's got like it's got a soul sound to it, but a pop musical arrangement. And like, you know, it's got a cool pre-chorus, which a lot of soul songs don't. Um, it's got a bridge, and it's a very weird bridge because it has a pre-chorus and the bridge it's, I don't know, bridges and musicals always sound weird. Like, they're kind of, because, I mean, essentially you consider it the C-section. So, like, you know, it's, it's just another section of music. And usually people that are writing musicals have, like, classical backgrounds so or jazz backgrounds. So what they write is, like, not like pop writers write. <laughs> so it's just, so they're, some of their chord progressions don't always sound the best or the most pleasing because of the way in which they write. But... I just love this song. Everyone's like how did you say everyone's like really good as far as the musicians. They're solid. <laughs> They're so solid on this song. And it's just like some dudes in a in a garage. <laughs> but they're just solid somehow. Yeah. <laughs> the Funk Brothers. I don't know what they were called in the film though. Um probably like the Soul Brothers. I don't know. <laughs> the the soul, soul siblings. Yeah, the Soul siblings, the Soulmen, <laughs> the Funk dudes. <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't know who the Funk Brothers are, please go look them up. They're very, yeah. very good. Um, the sound of um, they're they're the sound of uh, those scenes in Vietnam we talked about in the last episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, Jimmy is booked in Miami. He's got the dreams backing him up, and <laughs> I uh, I wrote that oh, also. Boy. There was no way that Jimmy would not scare the white people. Oh, yeah, there was none. <laughs> well, I mean, so they set the stage, the scene, with um, 
which I later learned was uh, Don Rickles, um, a Don Rickles uh, monologue or whatever comedy. Oh yeah, that was um, uh, Bobby Slayton. Yeah, that, that was the the real comedian. Yeah, but they they said that they kind of lifted it from a Don Rickles, who is one of the people, very dirty comedian, one of the people who when we talked about the cabaret card who had his who had his taken, so the United States didn't like him either. Um, but they, you know, he's telling racist jokes. He's like mm-hmm. a Negro and a Jew. It's like, oh, this is, oh, this is bad. <laughs> and then they zoom in on the picture you said that's just like glamour shot esque. A Negro headlining in Miami Beach. That's what I wrote. It's just like, wow, <laughs> that's what's happening. And then he's, he just can't, like, it's in Jimmy's nature. Yeah. He can't not do it. And you could just tell Curtis is just sitting there like, What have you're, I done? you're trying to tame a. He can't be tamed. No. Would you try to tame him? Mm-mm. You can't tame him. Can't be tamed. Um, and I think, to foreshadowing to the end of the movie, that's why he chose Effie, because he could tame her. Yeah. I mean, he could. He knew that, like, yeah, she's not gonna. I, I also did you mean make Dina. The, yeah. Yeah. Dina's gonna be what did I say? You said Effie. Oh no, 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 not Effie. Can't tame Effie. No. Can't tame Effie. Exactly. As we've seen. <laughs> you could tame Dina. Um and I, I wrote Effie was <laughs> Christopher Cross. <laughs> talented, immensely talented, but just not someone that you can put out front. She did not have the look. Didn't have the look. And then on top of that. Um, she, I, I think I said she had two volumes. That's what Jennifer Hudson has loud and louder. Like that's what <laughs> she does. Like n- there's no restraint. And I will, in my final verdict of this film, I'll let you all know why I think that Beyonce is a better singer ultimately. Um, but this movie really reminded me once again, how versatile Beyonce's voice is so versatile. I remember the first time I saw this. It had me thinking for the majority of the movie that Jennifer Hudson was a better singer. No, it's kind of like Michael Jordan said when they were like, you're not a good three, you know, Clyde Drexler is a better three-point shooter than you. No, no I, I don't shoot. I, I just don't choose shoot threes. not to I shoot threes. Not to shoot threes. <laughs> and then he shoots them just to show you, just in case you thought I couldn't, here's a little sample. This is all you get, but here's a little sample. I felt like that was Beyonce in this movie. They're like, you can't sing like Jennifer. No, I just choose not to right now until later in the movie. And they... uh some people still insist that Michael Jordan couldn't shoot. Like, no, he just he just didn't. He straight he up said, I didn't want to. Um, he didn't have to. Yeah. And I felt like that's what Dina was in this movie at first. And I think, but I think for her it's because she was new, she was meek, she was shy. And it comes across how she sings. And as she gets more confident, you know, it the, the voice, she starts to develop her own voice, gets more comfortable. Um, I'm not going to skip ahead, though until we get there but um Effie was very selfish though yeah um it is a um I wrote Effie being selfish a situation that still perpetuates today uh I guess as far as like just changing the lead singer mm-hmm. because of how they look or how it or or that it won't be as it can it's the the crossover thing yeah you know someone who doesn't sing too loud or too hard or anything Mm -hmm. um like i remember someone posted on facebook a a few months ago like um kelly price 
and Angie Stone are amazing singers. <laughs> and, yeah. and there are so many singers like them that throughout the 90s and the early 2000s did not become big stars based on their talent, but it was because the record label did not find them fuckable. They used the word. They used that word. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> so there is a lot of like talent lost in that in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and interesting enough, like it, it, he made this change, even though Curtis is sleeping with Effie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah. Um, and I did, and right before that, Laurel was talking about how, you know, she's a woman now. Like, oh, you lost your virginity to Jimmy. That's that's what just happened. And uh, not so many words. Just, like, they didn't wanna... Yeah, they didn't put it like that. <laughs> they didn't want to say it. I was like, I'm 18 now. I'm like, how long has this been? Like, I was yeah. like, in what world <laughs> are, are you 18? 18? Yeah. But, yeah. Um, hey, it's a period piece. Mm-hmm. So uh, I was watching this on Amazon Prime. And uh, if I like move the 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 mouse over the screen, I could see like some little trivia. The X-ray, yeah, I yeah, love I love that. So Beyonce considers this her first film. But uh, she was in so Austin forget Powers. about Austin Powers and Fighting Temptations. <laughs> yeah, she does not. Yeah, she said because she had to audition for it and everything, which I don't know. If she didn't have to audition for the other roles, but no, apparently she tried for this one. So take that, Austin Powers, <laughs> Mike Myers. Um, so yeah, uh, the reference to George Martin. Yeah, that was interesting. But there is, uh, I, I may have mentioned this before. I'm not sure, but the uh, I think there's a Supremes album because, of course, the Dreamettes are are based on the Supremes. Uh, mm-hmm. Dina is Diana Ross. Yeah. So uh, Fe is Florence Ballard. Uh, so. The Supremes made, and I think it's called the Supremes Go to London or mm-hmm. something like that. And they did like, it's like eight songs. Six of them are Beatles songs. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if George Martin produced them, mm-hmm. but I know, I remember saying like he he was a fan of the Supremes. Okay. So they, they did, they made an album of Beatles songs. Nice. Um. So when, so when, uh, Dina is presented as the lead singer, uh, and Curtis is talking about the the Sunday, and oh yeah, and it's you like then you got the you got the cherry on top, and it's like oh so is Dina the cherry? It's like Dina's the the cherry, the nuts, the cream, yeah. the bananas. I'm like, what's left on that Sunday that the other girls could be? Exactly, <laughs> they're just standing there like I guess we're the bowl, <laughs> the spoon. <laughs> we hold her up. I don't know. Like it's it was yeah, it was clearly. It was it, it at that point. It should have been clear that Dina was the star. Yeah. And if you you can either get in line or get out, and I was just like, well, she's used to this clearly. Like at this point, she had done this in real life. Yeah. <laughs> it was almost like art imitating life. Um. It was. I don't know. It was. It was one of those things where it's just like I, I, that's just the music industry, unfortunately. Yeah. Um. So they, uh, um, I think at this point we're at the, uh, oh, they're recording the, the heavy, heavy mm-hmm. song and, and she's, she doesn't like that. 
uh, Effie doesn't like that, and she storms off stage during the the TV performance. Yeah, that was. I'm trying to think has that ever happened. <laughs> uh, I don't know if Florence Ballard ever did that, but well, she thinking, probably stormed off stage during a like just a, a live performance, yeah. not on TV, but during if a performance. She felt possibly. like David Ruffin. That felt very David Ruffin to me. <laughs> Um, but no, it was David Ruffin. She would have showed up late, <laughs> taking the mic, and just taking the mic. <laughs> I'm Effie White, and these are the dreams. <laughs> oh God! And they would have fought her after. Um, yeah, no, this was it was crazy. Um, one thing I pick up real quick. Okay, every time why were there all these scenes? I think there were like two or three of them where it was like, who was the first one to wear leather, shiny leather? <laughs> Like and James really just doing that like constantly like oh he was the first person to do everything well, according that, to him like you could also add Little Richard to that list of of people mm-hmm. that uh that come that make up the character yeah because Little Richard claimed he originated everything <laughs> <laughs> so uh that that was I think that was part of that who was the first person to wear his hair like I was like stop it <laughs> he didn't do everything um uh, so yeah um so. At this point, uh, people are everyone's getting tired of Effie. Um, kind of the same thing that was happening to Florence Ballard, mm-hmm. and uh, then she gets to the the show, the New Year's Eve show, uh, late, and look, I the and I am telling you, I am not going. Is the showstopper? Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Um. It's you. <laughs> I think Jennifer Hudson did a great job. Mm-hmm. It's hard to get. It's hard for people to get past the Jennifer Holiday version because mm-hmm. she did it first. Yeah, uh, I believe Amber Riley uh, played Mercedes on Glee. She 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 played uh, Effie. I think in when it was performed in London. Really? Okay. So she did. I think she did the song on Glee too. I think, but it takes. It, <clears throat> It takes a special kind of vocalist to pull that to yeah. pull that off. Okay, I saw a video last year. Uh, it was some pageant, some local beauty pageant. <laughs> this white lady trying to sing the song, and it like it all. It, there was no soul. <laughs> there was no passion. It's like it's, it sounded like she was just trying to sing loud. There, was, it was not. It. it I'll play it for you after. <laughs> it's awful. You have to be on 10 to sing yeah. this, and you have to be skilled to sing it as well. Yeah, it's it's like throwing 100 miles an hour, but you're throwing a strike. Yeah. You it takes it it takes power and yeah. control. Uh if you don't if you are missing one or the other, it can go you're It's going to be terrible. You're hitting batters. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um uh, apparently this this scene took two weeks to film. Really? Because mm. some people were talking about like her wigs in different places or oh, continuity uh, yeah. and everything. Yeah. yeah, but it took two weeks to to film it. Um, I don't know how many takes she actually did. What was weird is like after all of that, she still didn't tell him that she was pregnant. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, she did not, and he doesn't find out really till like the end. The, the very end that it is. Yeah. And it's like, why didn't she say that? Uh, like, what? I guess I, I'm 
maybe someone could explain it to me. I don't understand like why she didn't tell him mm-hmm. that she was pregnant. Because either. basically she's out of there and no one hears from her for years. Till she's nobody broke. no nobody else. Nope, no none of the none neither of the girls, not even her own brother. Yeah. Talk to her for years. Uh so um And by then she's, so she's broke. out of there. She's finally got her hair natural. That's what she wanted. <laughs> um, so after that, um, Michelle is the new girl who was the uh, a secretary. So yeah, this is <laughs> Destiny's Child, the musical now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the documentary that Dina was watching. I don't know if she was and making they just, it like, or like photoshopped. They photoshopped Michelle in there. Yeah, it was, it, it was weird. Wait, hold on. Was her name Michelle in the movie? I don't know. Hold on, I, uh, I got. I thought that was now. a Freudian slip or something. Uh, no, no, I, I, I feel like it's Sharon Leal who plays her, but I think that in the movie her character's yep, name Michelle. is Michelle. Yep, <laughs> telling you, man. Destiny's oh, Child, the musical, is what it becomes then. So, um, yeah, that documentary was. <laughs> that was yes, funny. cringe, ultimate cringe. Curtis, because think... they, they made it seem like like. Effie totally did not exist. Like yeah. growing up on the streets of Detroit. So, uh, are we sure Michelle is from Detroit? Like Dina, Laurel, and Michelle. Like what? Yeah. <laughs> they barely know each other. They barely know Michelle. Yeah. So yeah. Um the, the Curtis is a creeper. His yeah. you'll always be 16 to me. I had that. That is the, so I, I was like, Ew. what the hell? <laughs> I was like, is there some sort of like Barry Gordy being a child molester that we don't know about, like <laughs> you'll always be sixteen to me. That's I think so that's cool. when he met Diana Ross when she was sixteen. Yeah, yeah, it's creepy. Um, I wrote um, like he's trying to get this Cleopatra movie made. I think this was Barry Gordy trying to make get um, the Wiz because he was trying I to get. I think movies. it was the Wiz. If not the Wiz, it might have been something else that just never happened. Mm-hmm. I think he did "Lady Sings the Blues," also. I, did, yeah. uh, I don't know about. I don't know if he did "Mahogany." I don't know if that was that was a Barry Gordy thing. But um, what was weird is that with that with he's trying to get a movie made about Cleopatra. In this world, does the Elizabeth Taylor Cleopatra exist? I and I was just that thinking no, that probably not. They wouldn't let a black woman play Cleopatra at that time anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, maybe that was part of the part of the 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 push to 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 get it made is that it's supposed to be a black woman playing Cleopatra. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I know it would it wouldn't have happened at the, at that time. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I put you always be sixteen to me. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> So creepy. Um, so um, now we're at when they do patience. He's in this Marvin Gaye phase now. Uh, did you see who was doing the background vocals? I don't. I I think who who was doing them? Tank. I didn't know that. Um, he was George Busby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Gerald 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 Busby. Busby. Yeah, not George Gerald Busby. Yeah. But it just looked like Tank with a with a paisley shirt on, but <laughs> but like because I I was watching it and I, they they panned over to the to the to the the background vocalist. I was like, was that Tank? 
and then I and then I rewound it, mm-hmm. and then I the X-ray is like uh, cameo, uh, Darrell <laughs> take Babs as one of the background. I was like, that is Tank. that's wild. I didn't know that. So yeah, um, so yeah, cameo of of Tank there. So yeah, that this was uh, this was the second new song. Patience is a new song for this. Okay, was a new song written for this. Um, this was the and he. Like you said, it's the Marvin Gaye phase, and they made that extremely clear. Yeah, this was supposed. <laughs> he's to, got I felt the goofy like, hat. He's yeah. got the leather jacket. He is he is Marvin Gaye at yeah. this point. I thought this it was, was supposed to be his. What's, what's going, going on? on? Yeah, yeah. That it, that's what it's supposed to be. Yeah. And like we mentioned before, with what's going on, Barry Gordy did not want that he released. Didn't want to touch it. Yeah. He like he didn't like that it was a, a message song, and he didn't think it would sell. Uh, it was eventually released. In this case, Patience is never, never. released as a song. So, funny thing, um, Kendra brought up, like, they should have just played it at the party. Just, like, just play yeah. it to get the reaction so that he has to release it. Like, because you play it for him, he's like, no, nah, no, nah, this is talking about, this is talking about racism and stuff. Man, I ain't trying to, music's supposed to sell. I'm not supposed to have a message. Just play it for people. And then he goes like, oh, you can do both. And his head explodes. Because he just didn't know. He's like, I didn't know you could do both, man. I thought and it was- then Marty takes over. <laughs> then Marty comes back. I thought it was one or the other, man. I didn't think it was. <laughs> um, what did you think of after Curtis shoots it down? Jimmy just pulls out his heroin and just. <laughs> that was the most depressing scene ever. Like, it's just literally like, well, I tried. Starts getting his stuff out. <laughs> it was just like <laughs> it was like it got nothing else. Like it was, and then she's and they're like, all I'm like, not sitting here "I'm not for sitting this. here for this." And he's like, "Okay, I'm gonna keep going. You don't have to." And then Michelle gets up and leaves, and then Cece's like, "Come on, brother." And then Jimmy just looks at. Him. He didn't say anything when he, when he was shot down. He pulled out the drugs and said nothing. They're like, oh, you go, you go, you not, you not gonna stop me. I'm doing these drugs. It was so sad. I'm like, yikes. He just looked at her and <sighs> like, and Cece's like, well, what am I gonna do? Eddie Murphy played the hell out of this role, man. <laughs> like so, that was just, yeah. it was, it was heartbreaking to watch. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, uh, just so matter of fact. Yeah, just like. <laughs> Like he's done this a hundred times. Like you, it 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 can make you laugh, but it's like that is really depressing. Yeah. Up mm, uh, well, time to do drugs. <laughs> that's, what it, that's what it looked like. <laughs> oh god. Oh uh, um. So the the they made a couple of references to the Jackson Five. Yeah, that little kitty group. <laughs> Um, if even be, like that scene where Curtis hears the song, mm-hmm. you see the I think his name was Teddy Campbell or something yeah, like the that. Little kid standing like, outside like, the door. Like I'm waiting for Dina. Yeah, that's that's Michael and Diana and Diana. And their odd relationship. <laughs> uh, I I don't know if anyone has the like the truth of that relationship. <laughs> he he was in love with her as a child. What did it turn into? Who knows? Um. So you got the Jackson Five rip off the Campbell connection. 
Uh, and and kind of what you mentioned, and I wanted to get to this um, as far as Curtis's character. Uh, and Marty, you said like Marty was seeing what Curtis was turning Jimmy into. Mm-hmm. Eventually, Curtis took, he just took from Jimmy. He just took from him. Yeah, never gave. Took his, uh, like he... Jimmy always saw himself as an original, like he, you know, that the, mm-hmm. the little Richard part of him. He saw himself as an original. Um, he's doing it his way. And it's his Chris style and one. everybody's copying him. Mm-hmm. Jimmy stripped that from him, stripped his identity, and yeah. his confidence from him. Uh, he stripped his his style as far as what made him him yeah. as a musician. Slowed him down. Took made, that trying to make him a crooner. Right. And that's not what. No. That's not what he is, Mm-mm. and I just wrote Curtis is a taker. He just he just took yeah, which is what um, Marty um, warned him. Yeah, he's like he doesn't care about you. He just wants he used him up. I mean, even down to the scene to where he kills himself, and he's like, eh, Jimmy did this to himself. He feels nothing. He's a commodity. And he knew basically after he did that show where he was like, stop the music. I can't sing this sad shit no more and starts doing his own stuff. That's when he was just like, I, I, he knew immediately this guy's done. I'm not going to work with him anymore. He can, he releases him from his contract. And that was all Jim. That was the last thing Jimmy had, especially when he's on stage looking at his girlfriend, looking at his wife, <laughs> looking at his girlfriend, looking at his wife and the wife figures it out. And I imagine she probably Dumped him. I was like, "That's expensive." Yeah, he's gonna lose all his money. What little money he has, that he's not using no heroin. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was a very sad arc. And it was also like the the show. Uh, this was after Motown Twenty Five, so mm-hmm. the 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 scene is based on uh, on Motown Twenty Five. Yeah, and what they they didn't really go too much to it into it in the script but in a lot of cases with the art like Motown's based out of Detroit mm-hmm. when they moved to LA that changed a lot for a lot of the artists <clears throat> you saw it in the Temptations movie where when they moved out to LA that's what Barry, Barry Gordy was focused on making movies yeah. not as far as like helping these artists yeah. that he that he has that have been around for a while um and L.A., I, I think, like, this is in a lot of movies. Like, moving to L.A. changes, changes you, yeah. It's supposed to be it changes you. You're, fo- you just, you're not focused. Hence the scene, you know, right after the, the montage show how big they've gotten. And he's focused. He's so focused on movies, he basically tells calls everyone useless, walks out the room. <laughs> and basically it's like he's ignoring that, like, you're, aren't you stretching yourself a little thin? It's like, not going to make up for y'all because y'all useless. It's like, damn, dog, like. These these been your folks that's been holding you down, like, yeah. I th- he just the pride, you know, was it say um, pride comes before the fall. Essentially, he just thought he was and, too much. Well, and like you said, with Curtis wanted Jimmy to be a crooner. I wrote Curtis didn't want Jimmy to be too black. Yeah. And then this is the blackest moment. This is the blackest Jimmy has ever been in yeah. like fifteen years. Takes his pants off. You're making a <laughs> fool of yourself. Like no, they seem to enjoy it, Jimmy. I mean, I, I, Curtis, did, but... I did also write. Uh, Jimmy got bars. Yep, Jimmy was okay. Was he freestyling up there? 
that was uh, Jimmy want a piece of your chocolate cake. Well, I mean, those were the words. <laughs> those, those those were the words. Like it was written as a rap for the nice. like in the original musical. Um, let's see if I can play it. Oh, this is how it starts. So hold on. Hold on. Here we go. Which is what James Brown used to do. <laughs> that snare sounds so good. And also, the, the, these musicians yeah. are just falling right in. <laughs> like, just know what to do. <laughs> they knew what to do, man. He got he got back to being the the James Brown part of him. Yeah. Even though I think in they said that uh, James Brown stole from him, so <laughs> everybody stole from Jimmy. <laughs> oh God. So yeah. Um. Jimmy want a piece of your chocolate cake. <laughs> oh man, Jimmy got soul. Yeah, so I wrote Jimmy got bars. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, um, uh, Jimmy overdoses, he dies, um, and at the wake, I think this is back in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Um, Loretta Devine. Makes yeah. an appearance. She she played. She was the original Laurel in the on the stage. Um. Uh, and there was also the I I am changing by Effie. Yeah. Uh, before, um, because she she went to Marty. Yeah. Uh, Who cares it took a about long artists? time. It took a long time for yeah. her to go to Marty, but and like you said, Marty cares. Yeah. Um. And then CC comes in, comes to the wake. I believe that was at the wake, and he tells Effie he has a song for her. Yeah, and this because is because he said I'm always going to write you a hit. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> the and then um. Curtis finds out about it because it had been the you know local mm-hmm. the local DJs have been playing it. And I want to know, like, what's the technic? Like, is like technically we own the song, right? So that's so, the thing. I don't know because I want to know how that works. Do you? So it would depend on. And I mean, this is getting far beyond what the movie probably ever thought to address. It would really depend on um, who he is signed to as a writer. Like, if he if yeah. he has a publishing deal with Curtis's company, um then i mean he would probably have to get permission if i remember how it works for to you know like basically anything you write to copyright it you have to copyright it with your publisher so yeah technically belongs to now i think the bigger thing was i don't want to piss off cc because he's my hit maker but whatever this is going to be for dina she's gonna this is the 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 new sound i'm looking for which is the, the most generic disco disco the musical <laughs> the the disco version of one night only is gross yeah yeah <laughs> i was like ah oh, this is but all i could think of was 
Matthew this Knowles thr- this did thr- this for Beyonce. <laughs> this is thrift store Donna Summer. <laughs> this, that's what that song sounds like. Like it's just the parallels, you know? Yeah. Like it's almost like he studied these things. Like he, the famous song that he did this with was, um, was well, he did this with a few songs. If I were a girl, I don't know if I were a boy. Um, Haley Duff, song? Haley Duff had recorded a version of it. BC Jean wrote it. Yeah, you, you, I, you Haley Duff did a did a yeah did a version of it, and she swept in, did hers, and got it to print first. And Haley Duff could not release it. He even went so far as to Kelly Clarkson for a while was not able to perform "Already Gone" because it sounded so similar to Halo. That is it. That is that is why I say and shout it from the rooftops. She owes him more than just like, oh, you were my manager. No, she owed. Like he made some he made some moves in there that were literally like career defining. Like if this move doesn't get made, you're not Beyonce. So uh, speaking of Halo, also closing in on billion streams. Oh, for real. Yes, good song. Good song. Uh, also unrelated, uh, Baylor are is the national champions. Oh, they uh, they whooped Gonzaga eighty six to seventy. Jeez. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, so much for that perfect season. Yeah, <laughs> I, I picked Gonzaga because I I wanted to see them go undefeated, but if Baylor get Who it, who was the last team it, to go completely it. undefeated? Was it one of the wooden teams? No, it was uh, Indiana that? in nineteen seventy six. Oh, okay, I did so see that. Bobby yeah, Bobby nineteen. <laughs> so yeah, comparable. Um, but yeah, ugly parts of the music industry, you know, a song can get snatched right up. Um, and it's just funny because like it happened to Curtis and then I guess he made sure it was never going to happen again. Yeah. Uh, so he paid off that, that same DJ. Yeah. (laughs) That DJ was like, like if I, and I wrote this note, I wanted to ask you this. If you were the DJ, what do you do? Just take the money, man. Just take the money. <laughs> Do you also throw away Effie's version? <laughs> well, if he asked me to, yeah, because I mean that's part of the contract. But and I'd be like, hey, man, like they're both good. Can they both exist? Like, because <laughs> like, no, I don't want people getting confused. Like, I try to make. I try to do the John Mulaney voice how he does people. No, <laughs> they'll get confused. Um, yeah, I think he just hated Effie though. Really. I think they. I, I feel like it kind of got petty towards the end. Yeah. Um, he just no matter what she did, like she could have done a disco version. He'd be like, "No, Dina can do it better." Like. <laughs> um. And I think this was. The, oh, this was after the scene, with uh, or was this right? Maybe no, no. Right at right after what happens with one night only. Uh, before we didn't mention it, but Dina had a private meeting with uh, John Lithgow and Jim Halpert by the pool. <laughs> he called uh, him Jim. <laughs> <laughs> um, about doing, um, I don't know what what film that that was supposed to be. I don't either. Seemed I know, kinda... It sounded like a black exploitation, but something, but like written by Dennis Hopper or something. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah. Uh, it's like when she goes down on that trucker, you have to like, smell the desperation. It's like this is kind of dark. Is this? <laughs> I mean, this is very dark. <laughs> um, so um, when what did you think of when when Curtis said 
do you know why I made why I have you sing lead? Oh yeah, so yeah, so to come back to that because I said I was going to, um, and he tells her, your voice has no personality. That was when, so the first time I saw it, that's when I realized that Beyonce had been holding back because the next song she does is her Emancipation song, and you see her kind of really. All the things that you've seen Jennifer Hudson do the whole time that makes people go like, oh, she can sing. Beyonce does them. That's when you realize, like, um, she has gone from being, like, the Diana Ross to being, like, a Whitney Houston or something, a Mariah Carey. Um, and I, I thought it was, it was kind of one of those things where um, Curtis, he always knew where his bread was buttered. He always knew that I need to... So let me reverse. So essentially, um, the reason that Britney Spears was, you know, popular, a lot of people theorized was her songs were easy to sing along to. And that was why she was more popular than a Christina Aguilera, who was clearly the better vocalist. But, you know, it's kind of hard to get your hairbrush and sing in front of a mirror to a Christina Aguilera song. Better, she's a better singer, but it's easy to sing a Britney Spears song. All right, I might have the clip here. Let's see if this will play. Yeah, this is the one recording on their phone. On the TV. Yeah, that's not going to that's not going to work. <laughs> Um, but it was it was yeah. a very it was a very poignant scene, just because or poignant scene, because it's almost kind of like when Rocky thought that he was winning these fights on his own, and Mickey's like, "I set you, I I set you up with bums to make you big." Like, no, you were never the better singer. Duh, everyone knew that. <laughs> but like, you were you were the singer. You were the person who would do what I told you to do. You weren't Effie. You didn't have any fight in you. Um, and once she realized that, all of a sudden she finds her voice. And she finds her, you know, her willingness to fight and all this stuff. And, you know, the rest is kind of history. She decides to go against him and, you know, make amends with Effie and all, and, and everything. And, um, yeah, I mean. And that's it, where we yeah. get uh, the song Listen, which is the third new song. Oh, that was a new song too? Yes. Okay. And um when you were talking about the the writer the the writers being credited, uh Listen, Patience, and Love You I Do were all nominated for Best Original Song. Oh nice. Um uh, Beyonce was credited as a co writer for Listen. Mm-hmm. Uh she was not credited as a nominee for the Oscars. Or listen, because she probably didn't really write anything. Exactly. Yeah. That and that that's what happened. Her name was taken off. Uh, I think the Academy had. I some people tried to say, oh, well, there's a limit on the number of songwriters. <laughs> like, no, she didn't write anything for the song, so she was taken off of it. Um, kind of similar to with. Uh, uh, I don't know if it's the same situation, but also reminded me of the song. Uh, it's either I have nothing from the bodyguard mm -hmm. and Babyface was credited as a songwriter and then was nominated for an Oscar. His name is taken off. Mm. I don't know if it was for the same kind of reason, but 
that's just kind of what that reminded me of with that that situation like her eligibility to be credited as a songwriter where she really didn't she didn't yeah. write anything so even on a song like if i were a boy they got her producing credits hmm. so it's written by bc gene and toby gad produced by toby gad and beyonce Knowles. beyonce didn't produce that song beyonce does not know her way she around the console the vocals yeah she so had to as get as far something. as like the vocals came from her mouth yeah they had to get something <laughs> and i imagine they pro- she probably got production credits rather than songwriting credits because a version of it already existed by another artist. And people would probably question that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, oh, you wrote a song for Haley Duff? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, CC is, is finally stands up for himself, I guess you, you could say, that uh, he goes to the police uh, he knows where the bodies are buried. Yes, he does. Oh, yes, he does. And um, uh, Dina finds out that I, somehow she didn't know that Effie had done, had done the song. Somehow she that I mean, it was a local local distribution in Detroit, but Dina's in L.A. Mm-hmm. She I, so it I, it didn't make sense to me the first time I saw it, but it's now it, make, it makes sense now having seen it again that. Okay, it was just local locally distributed, so she has no idea where the song really came from. Mm-hmm. She just knows CC wrote it. Yeah. Uh, so she she finds the documents. <laughs> <laughs> she finds the ledger, the infamous ledger, and um, uh, the police the police come in there, or the FBI, or, or whatever. And uh, Curtis is smug, of course. Um, and but then they they pull out that ledger. <laughs> <laughs> and they sh- when they showed it to him, it was like the jig is up. <laughs> yeah, you see, jig is up. See, and um, uh, Effie is talking to Dina. Who knows how long it's actually been since they've seen each other or mm-hmm. talked to each other? I had no clue he was doing this to you. And uh, and then you know, Effie is is uh, dancing in the end zone, uh, yep. if you mm-hmm. if you will, and. <laughs> What was funny is that when Curtis uh, turned to Dina and just said, I'll deal with you later. I'm like, what are you going to do, kill her? (laughs) He has some creepiness about him. (laughs) Deal with you later. (sighs) No, you won't. You're going to jail. If you're you're lucky, you won't, but you're probably going to jail, bro. (laughs) Deal with you later. You better get in there and start pleading. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then that's what I had the I, I saw the I think it was the X ray that Terrence Howard may have been approached to play Curtis. I'm like that would have been too much like right. Oh God, like glitter. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, murder stance Howard. Yeah, essentially again. again. <laughs> um, so um, uh, Curtis gets his comeuppance. Um, Dina leaves him. Her her mom comes to pick her up, <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and uh, they uh, she leaves him. And it it wasn't drawn out. That goodbye was not drawn out. Yeah. It was like I'm out. Deuces. <laughs> you can go wait in the uh, car, mama. Like was... <laughs> grabs her stuff and, and she's out of left. There. Yeah. Um. And so this is the end of the dreams. So they play their farewell show. 
I don't uh, I don't know if the Supremes exactly had a farewell show, but that's what I thought of. Like this is like when the Supremes broke up mm-hmm. technically, and it was kind of a more of a happy ending in this case because Florence Ballard died of an overdose. Oh, um, and in real life, it was Effie White has a big hit song. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so Effie White is on her way back. Um, and so the <laughs> Curtis tries to walk in with another girl. He's like, I want you guys to say hello to Tania Williams. And then here comes Dina. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, who's Tania Williams? Yeah. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> we don't care. <laughs> Um, and this is also the part where so yeah. he realizes he has a daughter as well. Yeah, Magic sitting in the front row, and um, what a name, Magic! <laughs> and that's when that's when he finds out at the very end of the film that he has a daughter. Doesn't even get a chance to be a father. <laughs> so it's like, do they? <laughs> what does? Does Effie no longer love Curtis? Does he? Does she not love him anymore because of what he did? That's understandable. Mm-hmm. Perfectly reasonable. Will he? Le- will she let him be a father? Ooh, though? Right. I don't know. I guess we'll have to find out in Dreamgirls too. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Like where? Because I think in Dreamgirls too, he pushes Magic to be a singer. That's that's clearly the plot of Dreamgirls too. If there's a Dreamgirls too, like he's like you're gonna be, it's gonna be Magic in the dreams. Like, that's what it's going to be. We're going to bring it back. Like Menudo, you know? When some members leave, other members step up, like the Jets, take their place. I could see that happening. Um, Real quick, I'm going to play the, uh, the I'm going to play it on the show instead. The, this is someone named Lake Dardanelle mm-hmm. singing, I am telling, and I am telling you I'm not going. Uh. If I can get it queued up here. This was for some beauty pageant or something. Um, (laughs) You see Ben's face right now. (laughs) Let me bring it up on the... Oh! Oh! She is so flat. Oh, that hurts. Ooh, 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 so flat. Oh, God. She did not slur that note right. Should have been crickets 
Okay, and now there's another. Her name is Naomi Shore. There should have been crickets for that. And apparently, she got redemption. Let's see if this sounds any better. <laughs> she was so flat. Oh my god. Not as flat. <laughs> Still no soul, but thank God she's not flat. Oh my God. But is she like singing in front of like a. She's singing in her living room. Okay. She might have had. Okay. So in her defense, then, she might have had a monitor that just wasn't very good, couldn't hear herself. Oh, she was getting flat there. She's getting <laughs> flat. God, I mean, she was like painfully flat before. Oh, God. This is why you see a lot of singers in recording studios um, sing with like one ear so they can hear themselves. Yeah. Because usually like, you know, it's hard to hear yourself and the music and stuff. But sometimes a lot of people will tell you don't do that because you're flat. You're, you're going to be off a little bit. So. She probably had bad monitors, and she was probably like, I'm hitting these notes, girl. And it just <laughs> was, like, flatter than a three-day-old Coke. Like, just just not, oh, God. Oh, that was bad. Oh, that was her uh, in the, the Miss Arkansas pageant. It would be Arkansas. Uh, oh, she knows she bombed that performance. Okay. She knows. <laughs> She should have been like Morgan Wallen. Don't clap. Don't clap. <laughs> that was bad. Don't clap. She knows she bombed it. Stop so clapping. At least it wasn't. She's not delusional. Maybe she was sick. <laughs> Who knows? Like, you just, I can't imagine, like, you audition and, like, this flat singer is the best you can get. I mean, I know it's Arkansas, but damn, like, that's the best. She, she went big, but you don't have to do all that. Like, they couldn't, like, <laughs> they couldn't be like, all right, so instead of singing in A, we're gonna take it down to like <laughs> to like to G, you know, maybe A flat, maybe G. Like we're we're gonna help you out there. So yeah. Um Oh man. This is why I'm afraid to go back and listen to recordings of myself with the jazz combo at West Georgia. <laughs> Cause that one is just like, oh damn, man was flat. Like, ugh. I was flat the whole time. Ugh. Mm-mm. So, um, of course, this was a hit at the box office. I think it um, it was an $80 million budget. Uh, and it made, like, double that, at least. Um, trying to get the, pull up the awards that it won here. Yeah, so $80 million bud- was the budget. 155.4 is what it made. Yeah, so almost double. Yeah. Uh, it won... Uh, well, th- let's get to the illusions of the actual the illusions illusions with an A to the actual events. Uh, of course, it said the 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 dreams are based on as far as the look, the aesthetic, as the kids like to use uh, the Supremes. Mm-hmm. Um, a Rainbow Records is Motown. Um, uh, the the covers of the Dreams albums were direct references to the Supremes albums. Mm-hmm. Um, Outfits, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, you yeah. said the aesthetic, but yeah, yeah. Uh, Barry, uh, excuse me, Smokey Robinson was less than pleased about the allusions to Motown. Uh, he said that um, 
He was offended at the portrayal of Barry Gordy uh, as Curtis Taylor Jr., uh, making Curtis Taylor a villain. Um, There's a lot of people who would say that Barry Gordy was a villain, but that's another story. Uh, he felt that DreamWorks owed uh, Barry Gordy an apology. Uh, they did issue an apology. <laughs> so they got that. Uh, the payola scheme, um, and Smokey took offense to that, is identical to the payola scheme allegedly used by Gordy and other Motown executives, according to sworn court depositions. Yeah, like, come on, uh, it's not, Barry Gordy was not a choir boy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, several references also made to the mafia-backed loans Curtis used to fund Rainbow Records. Gordy was highly suspected, though never proven, to have mafia-backed loans to Motown. So, I mean, they didn't exactly make it up. <laughs> Not exactly. Um. So, yeah, like we said, Tiny Joe Dixon, that's B.B. King. Um, the Campbell Connection, that's the Jackson 5. Um, yeah, uh, CC is smoky. CC is smoky. Curtis yeah. is Barry Gordy. Yeah. Okay. So Thunder James is, uh, the, the amalgamation of, um, what James, James, James Brown, Brown, Wilson Pickett, yeah. Marvin Gaye, Jackie Wilson. Yeah. Little Richard. Yeah. Um, I uh, think of who else. Dina is Diana Ross. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, Effie is Florence Ballard. Uh, Laurel is Cindy Birdsong or whoever the third Supreme was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Michelle is whoever replaced Florence Ballard <laughs> in the Supremes. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, that's all I can think of in terms of the major players. I mean, who would Marty have been, though? Um, I don't know. Just a small town. Just small some, time. some local man- talent manager. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I think the Academy Awards, it was nominated for eight? No, seven? Six. Six Academy Awards. It won two. It won for... Um, it won Best Supporting Actress, Jennifer Hudson. Uh, Eddie Murphy was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. He did not win. I think he lost to uh, Alan Arkin for Little Miss Sunshine. Okay. I never saw that movie, but I heard a lot about it. Uh, nominated for Best Art Direction. Nominated for Best Costume Design. Best Sound Mixing. Uh, so eight nominations, like Best Original Song. There were some great There were three, three, uh, three songs for Listen. Um... Love You, I Do, and Patience. Henry Krieger, co-writer on all three of them. Uh, Listen was co-written by Scott Cutler and Ann Preven. Love You, I Do was Henry Krieger and Cedar Garrett. And Patience was Henry Krieger and Willie Real. Yeah, you can definitely hear Henry Krieger being the musical theater background. You can definitely hear their influence in all of the songs and the way they're written. Um, yeah. Um, it won... Uh, at the Golden Globes, uh, Jennifer Hudson and Eddie Murphy both won for uh, both won Golden Globes. It also won Best Motion Picture in the Musical or Comedy category. Beyonce was nominated for uh, Best Actress in a Motion Picture uh, Musical or Comedy, 
And for Best Original Song, Listen was nominated, and Beyonce is included as a co-writer for Listen, but not for the Academy Awards. She didn't write anything. Exactly. She did not write it. Uh, Jennifer Hudson uh, also won um, the MTV Movie Awards. No, she was nominated for MTV Movie Awards for Best Performance, her and Beyonce. Uh, she won an a Image Award, of course. Um, uh, let's see. Did they, any they won SAG a Grammy, award? too. Uh, she, Jennifer Hudson won a SAG Award. So did Eddie Murphy. Uh, the cast was nominated for the, the best cast and for the Grammys, uh, love you. I do one for best song written for a motion picture. Uh, it was also nominated for best compilation soundtrack album. Uh, so this is, this is one of the more, uh, critically acclaimed black people movies. (laughs) Um, and, uh, it's something that it, it it there was I don't know if it's talked about enough a lot because of not only there were there par- the parallels to Motown but as we've alluded to the parallels to Beyonce and Destiny's Child. Oh yeah, this is I mean you really but I mean these are just things that happen. We just happen to see them on a large scale because Beyonce and Destiny's Child, you know, one of the biggest female groups of all time. And she was, you know, when she went off solo, just launched, you know. So, you know, I mean, there's, I'm pretty sure there's other groups this has happened to. We just don't know about it because no one cared. But, yeah, so many parallels, not only to Motown, but then just to her career. The whole, you know, the the writing fiascos and the, you know, you show up and you find out that you're not in the group anymore. (laughs) You watch a music video, you find out, like, you're not in the group anymore. Um, because you spoke up against Beyonce, never speak or up you, against. You, you thought about getting another manager. Yeah. And we're looking into your options. Oh, nope. nope. Matthew Knowles will not have none of that. No. <laughs> so um, that will do it for our discussion on Dream Girls. And we need to get out of here because uh, <laughs> at the time of this recording, it is 1.41 a.m. So. <laughs> that late night tip. <laughs> The late night tip. <laughs> Wait, it's got to be a deeper voice. Quiet storm. The late night tip. I can't do it. I oh, know. yeah. <laughs> ben would like to dedicate this song to Kendra. <laughs> That's supposed to be thunder, not a bomb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so we'll get to my earworm of the week. Uh, this is a song that was on my... Uh, I think it was the the release radar list uh, playlist on Spotify. Um, uh, artist named Joyce Rice. Uh, I heard she did a song with Asher Roth that I like, but oh snap, that's what's up. But this uh, is from her album uh, called Overgrown, and it's a song called Must Be Nice. It's a song she did with Masego, and um, yeah, I just I like how it sounds. Okay, okay. <laughs> so this is. Uh, Joyce Rice featuring Masego. It's called Must Be Nice. And we'll be right back. Racing to you. Racing to you. I can't see through you. 
All right, that is Must Be Nice, Joyce Rice featuring Masego from her album Overgrown. And you can find that on our BTT YHT Earworms playlist right now. You know, uh, I'm looking at the soundtrack. Beyonce got producing credits. Of course she did. That's not a. That's not surprising. Oh no, it's not. It's just annoying because <laughs> <laughs> you didn't produce a thing. A uh, couple of things I wanted to add about the the with the production, as I mentioned, um, uh, David Geffen retained the film rights, turned down many offers to get it adapted to the screen. Mm. He wanted to. Um, preserve the integrity of Michael Bennett's work, who was the original director after he, after his death. Um, uh, he talked with Howard Ashman, uh, who you may know from, uh, they believe he did songs for little mermaid and Aladdin, um, to adapt it as a vehicle for Whitney Houston to play Dina. Uh, but like I said, she wanted to sing Effie's songs too. <laughs> <laughs> um, Joel Schumacher was brought in to direct. And uh, he had directed What's Love Got to Do With It. And he was going to have Lauren Hill as Dina and Kelly Price as Effie. Ooh. 
but when uh, the Frankie Lyman biopic, Why Do Fools Fall in Love, failed at the box office, oh. the studio stopped development. Mm. And so um, after, like I said, after Chicago was a success, they brought in Bill Condon, um, who wrote the screenplay for, for Dream Girls. And uh, it was a dream project of Condon's to adapt Dream Girls for the screen. And he wrote the screenplay after he directed Kinsey. Uh, and um, yeah, and then it was greenlit. Okay. Um, but yeah, this was, this was one of those films. It's a lot, a lot of times where it's a big, it, you know, it's a big black project. Um, it can go through a lot of, it can go through development hell is what they call it. Or yeah. it, it's going to go, it's going to be some struggles. Like, like I said, this, this was over 30 years. Well, not 30 years, but at least 25 years in the, in the yeah. making. Um, you know, it's kind of like I remember. It reminds me of what I also saw the. Uh, have you ever seen introducing Dorothy Dandridge? With I've Halle heard of Berry? it. And I haven't seen it, but I know what you're talking about. That was the the story of it being made, of making a movie about Dorothy Dandridge was a big deal. Like, <laughs> who's going to play her? Yeah. And Whitney, the people were like Whitney Houston, <laughs> Janet Jackson, um, Leela Rashan, uh, Angela Bassett, who people think can play anyone. Uh, but it, then it eventually went to Halle Berry. Uh, so just when it's a, when it's an important black story, fictional or not, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so yeah. At least it's not another, at least it, at least it was handled with care. Unlike things like the Aaliyah story. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. That was, that was rushed and there was, yeah, not handled with care, of course. And like, you didn't have the rights to the songs um, you, it was it was one of those unauthorized biopics. I don't know if anybody remembered in the '90s all the unauthorized biopics about the TV shows. There's one about the Brady Bunch. There's one about <laughs> Mork and Mindy. There's one about Three's Company. Um, but it was all unauthorized, uh, unauthorized TV movies. So, uh, NBC was. When they made TV, the TV movie of the week or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were doing that pretty often. All right. Well, that will bring us to the end of this particular episode. You can see on the screen where you can find us. If you're watching on Twitch, um, you can see in the show notes where you can find us. If you're listening to this podcast. Um, and like I said, we got we got big things coming, man. Um, so, Ben, what should we end the show with? I don't know. What about the disco abomination? <laughs> the disco abomination of one night only. Let's end the show with that. So dramatic. Had the dudes dancing and stuff. It was, it was, it was like, was that Studio 55? It's supposed to be. <laughs> so we're in the show with the, the disco version of one night only. Uh, and uh, thank you all for listening and we'll talk to you once it starts playing we'll start we'll talk to you very very soon peace peace